fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. <laughs> It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step Two little mice fell in Whoa. a bucket of cream. <laughs> All right, Tom. You better chill out. <laughs> Relax. What's up, fellas? How's it going? What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Second Mouse Podcast. We are your hosts, um, but we have somebody new in studio today. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, sir? Uh, do, I, do I start with my social security number and my bank yes. account? Okay. Uh, Make sure uh, you choose Billy? the account with the biggest amount of money in it, please. Okay. So like 10 cents, 11 cents. We'll take them both. Okay. 21 cents. Uh Philly, I am a uh, unfortunately a friend of Sir Tom's and um, <laughs> have the severe displeasure of replacing uh, the once myth mythify mythicized Gatto, who is apparently dead. So uh, here we well, go. No, we should explain. No, he he's not. He did not. He did not Epstein himself. Okay. Oh, okay, okay, not yet. I have yet. the evidence. He is at Gitmo, however. So for those who are not following <laughs> along, um, Anthony. AKA G has essentially been thrown into Getmo and he will not be joining the show this week. But fortunately enough, we do have a surrogate voice in Philly coming on the show today to provide his perspective on all things. And we're going to get into some goofy shit. I'm not going to lie. It's been a weird week of news because frankly, there's been some dumb shit going on recently. So, um, We're going to go ahead and get started on the dumbest part of the week in the news. But first, this episode is brought to you by asbestos. It's great. <laughs> Put it in your mouth. <laughs> One of my coworkers is obsessed with asbestos. It's her favorite What? thing in the world. What? I don't know why. She um, she took a class, a geology class in college, and they had like a one-week period where they learned about asbestos, maybe two weeks. And apparently she made it her personality for like a whole academic year. Um, and she, I, I was talking to her in her office the other day and she was just going on for like 30 minutes about asbestos. There's like seven known asbestos strains and. Girl, no. <laughs> <laughs> That is That's... probably the strangest thing I've ever heard, honestly, because like for all things, asbestos is like just To my knowledge, I'm I, I'm not an expert on it, but it's like, isn't it just they used to use it just basically to like insulate buildings and found insulate out like, oh, buildings and pipes and pipes, and they're like, oh wait, no, this is extremely toxic and it's going to kill you, so like you have to remove it. So it's like, what a what a thing to it's like being obsessed with like carpet, like just yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know why. I think it's because there's like thirty thousand. No, that's not even right. There's like a hundred thousand different variants of asbestos that you can have. But there's that we know exist, but we haven't been able to to identify them. So basically, there's asbestos everywhere, and we just don't know 
how to find it or where it exists or what's happening. Well, you know what? My personality this year will be asbestos. I think, ne- I think lead paint is next year. <laughs> and then uh broken glass in my feet will be my personality like three years from now. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know. That's I've, I've been married for a long time, but if I ever go on a first date, I think my first question would be like, what are your favorite carcinogens? <laughs> so you're, 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 you're telling me that, that asbestos is essentially the Heinz tomato ketchup of yeah. your carcinogens. Yeah, it's like Heinz and Dr. Pepper had a love child. I feel like, Bas- toba- like I feel like tobacco is the OG carcinogen, though. I would so, I would make that wager. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Or like uh, like headache medicine that was actually just like cocaine. Yeah, it was like laudanum <laughs> or something like that. God, I wish I lived in back in that era. era man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my tooth hurts. Well, here, have Here's some, some coke. <laughs> <laughs> just rub this on your gums for a while. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. It'll all buck out. Well, as fascinating as asbestos is in the people that you work with who have a strange (laughs) fetish for, you know, workplace carcinogens and suing their employers over it, we wanted to get into uh, Balloon Gate, a.k.a. Balloon Ghazi, a.k.a. Balloon Pearl Harbor. Um, The Balloon Bukaki. Yeah, the balloony missile crisis, as we're calling it. Um, so for those who are not following along on stupid TV today, um, apparently there was a Chinese spy balloon that was flying over the United States and all hell has broken loose within the Republican Party. So there were major security concerns. There was frustration that Joe Biden was not willing to shoot it down over a major metropolitan city. Because those are Democratic strongholds, I guess. Um, and so the laughs kind of ensued from there. Keep in mind, the the spy balloon has been shot down over water, and it's been said that the U.S. is going to be able to recover all of the materials from it. But is this big deal, little deal, no deal? I, Q, I see you're shaking your head right here. What you got for us? I mean, I, from a geopolitical standpoint, it probably is a big deal uh, because this is like we already have what I can you can amount to like a Cold War going on with China right now. And like this is not going to help. Um, and like secondly, like both sides at this point have both basically are using the term Chinese spy plane of a balloon. So it's like basically like both sides, like the Republicans are like obviously making a bigger deal out of this. But like at this point, it's I don't know. I don't I don't understand because like as far as it goes right now, it looks like a fucking balloon. So and then China, China tried to pretty much undersell it and say, like, you know, you guys overreacted to this. Uh, but but I do understand, at least from a certain perspective that, yeah, anything, anytime a foreign country, especially one we're kind of in. Uh, flux with is flying something over your territory. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a cause for concern, but I think it was just the typical, you know, military industrial complex mindset kind of fired in all cylinders. Philly, what you got for us? Yeah, so I had a, cu- a couple of thoughts. One, I don't know if I was under a rock, but I feel like I didn't hear anything about this until Saturday. Like this somehow got Jesus, from Seattle do you not to... have Fox News just playing like latently in the background at your workplace? Do you not uh, work at like a dentist office for like middle age? I accidentally <laughs> muted the TV and then I lost the batteries to the remote. 
And thanks to Biden, inflation's through the roof, so I can't buy any more batteries. So Our I'm just sitting batteries. with Fox, a, a muted Fox Shh. News on the my Our TV beautiful anymore. remote controls. We can't put batteries in it because of Joe we Biden. We can't put batteries. <laughs> Crooked Hillary wants to take your batteries. <laughs> the left um, wants to steal your batteries away. Your beautiful batteries. So I, I just like this came out of nowhere. I mean, I'm certain that it didn't. I, and I heard um, Pete Buttigieg went on uh, Fox. Uh, Something. MSN, somewhere. And um, and so they knew as as early as Wednesday, President Biden had said he wanted it shot down. But again, they had to make sure it was safe. So this is obviously something that was happening for a while here. Controversial opinion here. And maybe I'm just an idiot. I don't know. I get that, though, the way it was in our airspace, and it's a bit lower, but the Chinese have satellites. What 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 is so advanced on this spy balloon? <laughs> That they're not already get, like it's not like if this was the '60s, you know, or the '50s, I could see this being a big cause for concern, particularly given the you know the political Cold War climate around that time. But also, like, you've not really seen technology like that, right? This is a, I mean, it it could have just been a kid from China that got stuck to a balloon, like it, like like, like the guy, the Chinese Up. version of Up. <laughs> yes, the Chinese version. This is this might just be Carl, Chinese Carl, <laughs> trying to. You know, fly away, and him and his wife's. It, it's up too, but it basically starts a war instead right, of like right. warms the hearts of millions of people. Right, uh, up to arm the nukes. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it. It um, to me, it's like a non-starter. And what what bothers me the most about it, which is probably also not very smart for me to be this concerned about, but is you know this. It's another one of those things that is of no fault to Joe Biden's, right? This was something that was happening during Donald Trump's presidency as well, from what I understand. Three times. Three times in his presidency. Thrice. Thrice. I'm just saying, <laughs> dark, dark Joe, he shot it down the first time. But, you know, hey, I'm just here. Um, but I just, this is going to be one of those things that Republicans hold on to, Um and right-wing uh, commentators hold on to as a another thing that we're not safe under the Biden administration. Regardless, this is another one of those things where, like, uh, Tom and I were joking earlier, and I said, feelings don't care about your facts. Um, this is one of those things where I feel like we're in this cycle. Like, for the longest time, we were there was this, like, facts don't care about your feelings. And I don't, you know, you woke libs need to get over yourselves and, you know, stop being so sensitive. And, and the reality is we've shifted to this, like, I feel like America's unsafe because I don't like Joe Biden. And anything that happens, I'm just going to use to further prove that, regardless if it's something that's happened every year for the past 20 years, or if it's a bygone era of Trump's administration, or hell, Reagan's administration. Like, there's things that, that were caused by things that happened 30, 40 years ago that we're just not feeling the effects of that. Yeah, You know, I just, to me, this is not a, a huge non-starter. And the amount of uh, conservative voices in particular that I saw really panicking about this seemed uh, seemed just illogical in my opinion. I, I yeah. don't think this I don't think this resonates. I don't think this is gonna resonate with the general public as far as like uh <laughs> thank you, easy spite. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that just threw me off. Um you think like marvelous. Thank you. Hatless and all. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm hatless today, guys. So like I'm 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 freewheeling today. 
So I, I don't think this resonates with the general public. The, I, I don't think this is going to be like of like a 2024 issue because like, if anything, they can just take it from the perspective of which they've already had, which is like, we were being safe. We wanted to monitor first. We wanted to make sure everything was good first. But it, like, it is weird how both sides already are basically calling it a Chinese spy plane. A, a spy, I keep saying plane, spy balloon, um, which is concerning because it's like the rhetoric is already been co-opted by the right and they've already pushed it to it's now it's a spy balloon it's a spy balloon at this point so yeah it was carrying nuclear weapons and they're all pointed at yeah, tallahassee exactly. florida yeah i <laughs> i'm kind of with you all on that one too this is such like a non-starter from an actual standpoint but it's not going to be because this is all the shit that we care about Keep in mind on, was it like Thursday or Friday, there was like the single best jobs report in like 10 years that came out with 500,000 people getting jobs. And Fox News was like waiting for something to be catastrophic. And they're like, oh, <laughs> well, well slick Joe good. does it again. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's and, a the White House tweeted about that. And I saw a bunch of voices on Twitter saying this is just. Uh, the the Biden administration gaslighting us. I'm like, I don't know what you want from the guy. Like, keep using that word. I don't know if you know. What <laughs> I don't think it means what yeah. you think it means. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the whole thing is just really interesting, and it's selective outrage again about things that, frankly, the United States has done to so many other countries in the past. And we didn't necessarily use spy balloons. We used actual spy planes and just flew over and <clears> said, <throat> "Fuck you! This thing's flying at ninety five thousand feet. You can't shoot it down, even if you wanted to." <laughs> If you fucking um, shoot it down, I'm going to fucking bomb you. Do it. <laughs> but I mean, there was some concern that they were flying. This this balloon was floating over nuclear missile silos and secure military bases. But Q and I were talking about it before we got on the pod. Like, you have satellites now. You have things that, and frankly, none of these mi military sites are new. They're all from the 60s and 70s. If you're wondering are the Chinese looking to see where ICBM sites are? Most of them are going to be underwater to begin with. So this is kind of like a non-issue. A part of me wonders is like, is China playing 4D chess here where they're like, you know what would really make them go nuts? It's <laughs> if we just took somebody's like Foreman grill and threw it on a balloon and just floated it across the Pacific. And let's see what they do. And the whole thing kind of just yeah. fucking with us at this point. Honestly, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't shock me one bit if they're just fucking with us at this point. And the whole thing was just playing like it's a wonderful life backwards in Morse code and it doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I agree. And the, the trailer for Top Gun 3 was amazing, by the way. The, the F 16 flying over the beach and shooting down a weather balloon, pure cinema. Here's they, cinema. Yeah. That's like a twenty-two mil, like billion dollar like. They, it's just so dramatic. It's just so dramatic. Like they couldn't just fucking find a, like a cheaper way to fucking like. And that's that's another thing they hit them on. They're like they're using this expensive equipment to knock down this balloon. And it's like you can't fucking win with these guys. Right. Yeah. You you're, you're better off not said, even trying. Shoot it down, <laughs> and Biden's like. Okay. okay. And they're like, no, 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 wait, don't not that way. We need Paul Gosar with his fucking Winchester rifle from Arizona oh shooting God. at it when it's over in Mississippi. All right. So good good things did come out of this though, by the way. We got a we got all the chuds lining up on fucking Twitter pointing their rifle in a picture. 
and and basically yeah <laughs> was filled with flyers announcing trump running for presidency i love that yeah that would be the most viral way of doing it um but like all of them were posing with their fucking stupid rifles and pointing mind you this the balloon was like what 60,000 feet up how how high was 70, it 70,000 feet up in so the it's air. like <laughs> they think that they're going to fucking get kid rock and fucking um ted nugent together and they're like just gonna have a competition who can shoot it down first well maybe if we like point our guns near each other the bullets will turn into one big bullet and fly (laughs) higher and faster (laughs) like the like the conservative power rangers yeah when our like ar-15s combine (laughs) we make a really big howitzer (laughs) imagine they just they make they they create like the mega chud and it's like this (laughs) Kid Rock, Lauren Boebert, fucking Ben Shapiro. Oh man. If Ben Shapiro was out there, I'd be like, now, now shoot it down, but show it to us. Like I want to see Ben Ben Shapiro has never fired a gun in his life. There's no I would imagine Ben Shapiro shooting would be like like the cartoon with somebody with a fire hose, like they turn it on, (laughs) it's just flying all over the place. Whoa, this is physically impossible. I don't understand why this is happening. <laughs> it's factually impossible. He's definitely tried to shoot a pistol before and it's hit him square in the nose. Yeah, for sure. Oh, the God. recoil fucking drove him back into like two years before when he actually time traveled. The recoil was so strong. Then he wrote a screenplay about it. And then is everybody it? applauded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, one of the good thing did come out of this is that we got uh, a bunch of people embarrassing themselves on Twitter. Which is just my favorite thing. Yeah. And I don't know if – did we cover this? That this already happened three times under the Trump presidency? Yeah. Like we we yeah. – I don't know if we've given enough oxygen to the fact that like this is not a new occurrence and this is something that's happened quite a bit. Rubio got called out on that on ABC. Oh, that was so ago. good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it just – this is exactly how you have to just play it. You just keep calling them out on their bullshit. But like again, they're, they're slippery fucks. So they will – they'll just find something else to pretty much – you know, the balloon is filled with shredded up papers or CRT textbooks in Illinois. <laughs> I honestly oh, would have spent the rest of the show just putting ideas of what was in the balloon. Thank you, thank you, Easy Spy, for reminding me that because that was a great moment. I don't know if you guys saw Marjorie Taylor Greene um, announcing that a a school in in uh, Illinois got five billion dollars for CRT. One elementary school got five billion. One, five billion. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene seems to me like like a like. Have you ever done an interview or something for a job or had to give a presentation, and like you just get a little bit flustered? And mm-hmm. so you just start saying words yeah. that are words in a order that makes a sentence. <laughs> and you know that it's kind of what you meant to say, but it's not exactly what you meant to say. That's her, but she's in Congress. Like she's saying that in a congressional level. Uh, that's giving quite credence to door handles there. So it's like that Michael Scott, like sometimes I'll start a sentence and <laughs> just I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Yeah. Which, by the way, she was the um she was running the house the House of Representatives today. She was the one running the show. I I argue that she made a gross miscalculation by doing this because when she was just behind the scenes, she could just kind of hide and just say, like, CRT is bad. 
and like you know just say like really anti-semitic stuff and she wins by 20 points now she's in the limelight and she's showing actually how stupid she is i mean she's she just she just ultimately screwed herself on this she could have just had a 30-year career doing absolutely nothing well she's in a leadership position now right like she has to be like a responsible voice keep in mind all of the irresponsible things that she said are not just like set in a bar somewhere they're on fucking tape Mm-hmm. Or they're on Twitter where it's like, yo, we can like look this up and we can verify that you said Jewish space lasers. Like <laughs> we didn't make this up. You literally tweeted this shit. <laughs> right. She she literally just said like, oh, it's false. I never said that. And then, then people were like, here's the transcript. You literally fucking said it. <laughs> <laughs> Later, easy spite. Wait a minute. Um, yeah, it, it's, it is an insane fucking thing to – to actually have her leading the House of Representatives because, like, we, we're not, what, two years removed from her almost being pushed out of Congress altogether. Mm-hmm. So it's Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, tough scene for what, her. What, what a cuck. Yeah. I mean, her, Bobert, Matt Gates, all the goons, like, they have him in a total a total headlock at this point. Like, they don't yeah. – he has to basically surrender everything to them. He's, he's um, well, yeah. I mean, he sold his soul for the seat, right? Like, and and it was evident in the standoff there that he wasn't going to make concessions, like on, on the Democratic side of things. He was going to make the concessions on the right, and the ones on the right that he wasn't getting the votes from were the Boberts, the MTGs. Like, he was going to have to make those concessions, and so now he's kind of stuck. And it's it's interesting to me how thankful and grateful he seemed in the moment to be getting the support of Democrats have a few <laughs> that he was getting to now that he kind of got into the seat, it's back to like, actually F y'all like hard R's till I die. And, uh, and it's just, it's just a, um, it's I mean, like, he's a, he's a it, cuck, but it's just, it's, it's almost sad to see. It's like that, like that video, that picture of Marjorie Taylor Greene holding up Donald Trump on the phone, like as if it was going to like, and the guy going national like... opinion. Like, don't worry, I've got Trump on the line. Like, it's you know what's funny? It's like Kevin McCarthy trying to get like the love of like Matt Gates is kind of like that girl in high school that you like were in love with and wanted nothing to do with you, and it's like just give it, give it up, man. It's never gonna happen. Yeah, it's like the girl in high school that Matt Gates took across state lines. <laughs> Ooh. Allegedly. allegedly, 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 we're allegedly sponsored by asbestos. Too. <laughs> no, that's a true. That's true. We have the documentation oh, for that. Yeah. So it's been a um, it's certainly been an interesting past couple weeks. But um, since we have a former Floridian on the show, really want to get your take on this Philly in the direction that Ron DeSantis is effectively trying to turn Florida into. I want to say like the only Island in the movie Waterworld, He's pretty much turned it into that. So yeah. we're talking specifically about some of the um, requirements that colleges and universities have to submit like transgender care documentation. They're removing books from libraries. There's this, big war against Disney, which turned out to be not a war at all. And they actually um, caved to Disney to the point where Disney is now allowed to build their own airport. Um, 
yeah, real win for the Republican Party there. But most importantly, this whole conversation around critical race theory or CRT. Philly, I know that you wanted to talk about this on the show, but I'm going to give it over to you. What were your impressions of this? And what, like, fix your fucking state, more importantly. (laughs) Well, I've been out of Florida uh, long enough that I, uh, I'm actually nearing as much time out of Florida as I spent in Florida. So um, I'm, I'm so close to being able to not, not say I'm from Florida anymore. Um, so here, here, the, my, what, my biggest concern is obviously what's happening in Florida itself is um, it's, it's, it's dystopian to be honest with you that, and the terrifying thing about it is how quickly this is becoming um really widely accepted as a, a a good thing to do and how much support DeSantis has not just in Florida but across the country as we gear up for a 2040 2024 election it's scary how easily we're talking about Florida as a swing state or has traditionally been a swing state a state where you know we're that we're waiting on the Florida votes to come in until midnight a lot of times to determine a presidential race or, or a senate race and even the gubernatorial races, um, you know, the past couple of years have been pretty tightly fought races between Democrats and Republicans. So the fact that DeSantis has been able to get in and move this, what I think is a pretty alarming um, uh, radical agenda, uh, the radical right, you, you don't really hear much about. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty radical agenda. How quickly he's moved that through and is able to implement it is is striking when you think about the impact he can have on our country. and you know, two years. Uh, if he, if he runs for and makes a, you know, either successful run at president or a, a pretty uh, deep run at president. Um, you know, there's some screenshots from the Florida uh, department of education that shows like what some of the things that are banned are. And so if, if I don't know if anyone's familiar on this call or I'm, I'm certain Tom that you are Q, you, you might've seen it as well, but it's a pretty popular thing. It's probably popped up in your Facebook feed before it's an implicit bias test. And essentially, it's, um, I think it was originally done by Harvard, but you mm-hmm. you pop in and it's, it's supposed to be, you're supposed to answer as quick as you can. And it asks a, a variety of questions that are, it's designed to, to help you understand what your initial reaction is to something so you can understand where your internal biases are. And it's not just about race. It's about biases in general, although it's heavily leaned towards identity groups and and um and, and racial bases and things like that. But again, it's designed for you to understand what your initial instinct is so you can work to kind of fill in the gaps for yourself. It's a pretty helpful tool if you take it as like, hey, I'm not a perfect human. I could learn to be better. Let me take this test. Hey, my friends have been complaining about people treating them like shit for you know, all their life. <laughs> like maybe I could do this one thing and be a better person. So there's, a, there's an application, I'm looking at it right now. Um, and it's a bar graph. Um, and it shows the bar graph shows the differences among age groups on the implicit association test that measures levels of racial prejudice. Higher scores indicate stronger bias. So this is just data from a, 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 a large survey uh, or test that is being put into a bar graph form for you to look at and for you to make your own determination from. It doesn't say in there that like white people are bad. It doesn't say that like black people are superior. It doesn't say that like if you... We're in this, like you're, you're terrible. It's 
it's a pretty standard, you know, mathematical thing for you to look at and, and make up your own opinion on. Uh, those are the kind of things that we're taking back. And so what that what that tells me is that we are not willing to have open conversation anymore about well, really anything. But in particular, you know, it's we talk about, I think, a big um, mantra, particularly from the conservative outlet is like, you know, we're the silent majority and people don't want to listen to us. and They don't want to have conversations anymore. And what happened when we just loved our neighbors and all these things? You know, that actually never happened, at, but proceed. <laughs> right. I'm not, yes, I'm not saying that, that this happened. I'm just saying that these are what was being said. And we're offering, you know, things here to say, hey, here's ways that you could be a better neighbor uh, based on data. And we're we're kind of, you know, censoring it. And, and this is just the very tip of the iceberg. The, the threshold to get a book censored is astounding. And any dystopian um, book, movie, uh, story, Society, actual society in history, censoring of books is the first step. So for a for a group so focused on freedom of speech, I want to go on Twitter and you know use the hard R N word and say Jewish space lasers and say all these things and not you know y'all were talking last week on the show about uh, how people I don't want to hear about people being canceled again because uh, Louis C K sold out a show right. Yeah, and I, I brought that up last week. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's some there's some other folks that I don't remember off the top of my head that we mentioned that like have said things or done things that have been problematic and have gotten them canceled, but then they have subscriber bases or Patreons or OnlyFans or whatever it is that are providing them income. It's the same concept here, right? You don't you want freedom of speech to say what you want to say. You want freedom of speech to be able to spout whatever you think is right. And to censor what you don't think is right. And it's the difference here, because you could make the argument, the logical argument, that the left is trying to do the same thing in reverse. But the left is trying to block hate speech. Right? The right is trying to block freedom of, of learning. The, the ability, that's, to me, one of the core tenets of freedom is the ability to go to school and to learn about everything and to make your own assumptions and make your own opinions and learn from things and base things in fact and not just go on YouTube and say like Farmer Jim down the street has a really cool YouTube channel. It's got like 800 subscribers. I'm pretty in tight with Farmer Jim. I think it's Farmer also, Jim doesn't know anything. I think when we, we talked about the library stuff last week and basically the idea they do more of like what we would like essentially is like a mass ban and then we'll, we'll we'll figure out the like what's acceptable later on rather than kind of isolating on what we consider a problem i am going to slightly disagree with you though on the as far as the 2024 election is concerned i'm actually more encouraged than anything because of a couple of different things pennsylvania michigan um and wisconsin for the most part especially pennsylvania a state that we were kind of concerned about every single year you saw Josh Shapiro win by like 17 points. You saw Fetterman win despite, you know, having a stroke mid-campaign. So Florida, I don't even think it's a purple state anymore. It's a red state. Yeah. It is a red, red state. I think a lot of that, though, because like we saw Miami-Dade. The Miami-Dade thing was very concerning on 2020 uh, because that is a Democratic stronghold. Like Hillary won Miami-Dade by a massive amount. And then you saw Joe Biden in Miami-Dade, I saw the numbers early, and I'm like, that's bad. He's barely carrying it. And then DeSantis in 2022 wins Miami-Dade. It actually goes Republican, which is like the first time ever. 
I blame that more on not, I don't think that like Florida residents are just becoming super pilled. They've had a large increase in population. I think it's 2% over the last year, the fastest growing state. A lot of people are moving there because of DeSantis, most likely conservative minded people, also like retirement people as well. Um, and secondly, I think non typical non voters have been exercised bigger, like in a bigger way. I think that's the one thing that Trump was able to do was get people that would, you know, those people that you normally would talk to and go like, you go, Oh, what did you think about the, the election? Oh, they're all corrupt. They're all corrupt. I don't, I don't even vote. They're all corrupt. They took those people and turned them into Republicans essentially yeah. gave them something to kind of chew on. So I'm not as worried. I think for, I think 20, we're 20 years down the road from Florida trying to declare its own independence from the United States sure. because you're seeing demographic shifts in like Georgia, the Carolinas, obviously you guys are both living in North Carolina, which has become increasingly more blue. Um, even Texas, despite Greg Abbott and all them best wishes. I mean, Biden lost by five points, which is the lowest I've ever seen it. So ultimately I still think that I think the overall tide is changing. Florida is just becoming its own thing. Yeah. And I would, I would add to that too, Q in the sense that, there's a difference between state politics and national politics. This plays very well for Florida, right? It plays very well to the base there. But when you're in a national election, when you're running for president, you need to win more than just your state. You're the bare minimum is at least you win your state. But if you're talking about those other very large electoral college vote states, I'm not sure this plays in those like you're going to have to convince people that are not from Florida that this is a good idea. And frankly, the idea of banning books, I don't care if it's like right a or felony. left. It, a felony. it never. Yeah, it never looks good. And the more and more laws and things they put in place, the harder it is to explain once you leave the state of Florida. Because no one understands, unless you live in Florida, exactly what all of this means for the greater good. It's really just politicking for the people that you know are going to vote for you. But the other thing about DeSantis that people don't realize is that he does a very good job of curating the people and the press that's around him. If you ever watch a press conference and he ever gets like pushback on a question, he blames and deflects. Like, again... That works very well when you have an insulated population of people that are following you and reporting on you. But once you get into the national news, and if you look, DeSantis does not do a lot of national interviews. He doesn't do a lot of like major network stuff because he's controlling the narrative because once you get outside of the bubble, shit gets real. And he's actually not a very engaging speaker to begin with. And the worst thing you can be is an unengaging speaker on a very unpopular topic and you're not able to properly articulate what you're trying to do and what the value of it is. I also want to point out that there was a poll recently. I saw that um, the, the issue of trans, the, the trans issue that's been going on that he is really delved deep into. And by the way, 2022 was kind of a referendum that no one gives a shit about yeah. like, they're going to trans your kid. 5% both ways, essentially. So the poll showed that about 5% of the electorate cares about it both ways. So either against it or for it. So it's just, it's not resonating. I, my biggest fear was that the Republicans were going to take 2022 and say, 
oh shit, we need to start talking about the economy. We need to start talking about inflation. They they've essentially doubled down, and they're like, just throw gay marriage in there too. We're against that now too. They're they're spinning their fucking wheels. Have you guys ever like listened to a DeSantis speech before? Like literally, it's just like sit there bad, and listen to it. Dude. It is so boring, and he does the same Trump hand movements with absolutely zero charisma. I will give him credit that he is an evil legislator, and he's very good at wielding power. He understands how to do that. But I don't know. I think he might be one of those guys who gets on a debate stage, and then it's just like craters. July, July or August, he's he's gone because it's just he won't be. And you know, Trump's going to go after him hard. Yeah. And then Trump will probably make him his VP because he wants Florida and he wants to lock it in. But if he can, if he can get DeSantis and just troll him for four years, (laughs) that's how it's going to go though. I don't think he's, I don't think he would join that ticket because I think everyone is under the impression that Trump will lose. And I don't think DeSantis wants to be on a losing ticket. And plus they already have beef. So I don't, I don't think, I think he's going to pick March. Hmm. I, I think they're giving, I think they're gearing her up. Or or Nikki Haley or somebody like that, you know. She's but. already announced probably the most milk toast like presidential campaign. No her and Mike no Pence belong with each other for the shit that no one gives a fuck about. No her, Mike Pompeo, Mike Pence, and I don't know who else is running. Probably Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio because those guys just can't take a fucking hint. She um, she's also very like un, unoffending, so I don't think they're gonna like her very much. They they like offending. Yeah. But to speak of the to kind of gear back to the CRT stuff, it's interesting because most of these people can't tell you what CRT is. And you go, well, name us, you know, an author that is involved with like, oh, I don't, it's just bad. It just teaches you that racism is racism. Well, it's it basically the 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 responses I've seen are that it treats you to hate yourself because you're white and white people did slavery, which is not the fucking point. The whole point of it is to give an honest assessment on the founding of this country, to give an idea of how it was founded, the mistakes we've made along the way, and the people that suffered great harm and where a lot of these racial deficits come from. And they don't want to have that conversation because they benefit off of it. So this is just trying to essentially erase history. But Tom, Philly, I'm sure when you were in high school or maybe even younger, you heard about books that were banned. Yeah. What did you want to do when you heard books were banned? Read them. I read wanted them, to yeah. fucking read them. This is why they always fuck themselves over. Because the minute you ban something, every all these kids want to know all about it. And yeah. and Nate makes a good point. It too. is a good like, point. The people yeah. that are trying to ban these books and the people that Philly was referring to are trying to create these policies. Like They don't believe that they did anything wrong. And they don't understand that like the way that this country has looked at enslaved people, the way that this country has looked at immigrants and other marginalized populations is that it's problematic. And because they cannot be outwardly like racist in terms of like slave policies, now you can Mm -hmm. be institutionally racist where it's just, it's just the policy. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, and they don't want to talk about reconstruction. Yeah, if you're trying to buy a house, like <laughs> you know, I, we're gonna charge you like triple yeah. the interest. They don't. They don't want to talk about how um, African Americans in this country disproportionately have like poor, uh, worse air. Uh, their 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 water standards are lower. 
their air standards are lower. Life expectancy is lower. Life expectancy is lower. They don't want to talk about reconstruction where basically because that leads into like criminality, right? Why are they all criminals? Yeah, because we created a system that essentially says, oh, we can't have legal slaves anymore. Well, we'll just create laws that throw them in jail. They don't want they they understand that the minute you have that conversation, like I didn't even know about the Tulsa bombings in high school. Like I learned that from fucking Watchmen. How pathetic is that? Like, you know, Black Wall Street and all that. So, like, they don't want you learning this stuff because literally it, it, it changes you. And it changes your perspective on a lot of things. But ultimately, I still think that they're going to end up screwing themselves because their kids are going to find out about it. And then they're going to find out their parents tried to stop them from learning about it. And I think a large majority of them are going to hate them for it. I don't I, I just don't know. I, um, I yes, I to to a degree, I agree with with both of you. And I I see your amen. Quickly, man. I see your point about DeSantis and his and his running. I just. I don't know that Biden is if Biden is the candidate. I don't know that Biden's popular enough to beat either DeSantis or Trump. Um, coming out of the two, I, right now I see them kind it's of questionable. DeSantis is, is pretty even in terms of where they are. I do think that like Trump would probably mop the floor of DeSantis in that debate. But my larger point of that, and, and with this, is that that same mindset is being permeated regardless if DeSantis wins or even gets ousted in in June in the in the debates. There's this permeating mindset of like if we just um if we just force our version of history or our version of events that's what's being taught right like to your point you didn't learn about tulsa well now you're not gonna you're also not gonna learn about a lot of other things mm-hmm. like we it's the same way that, in the same way that we glorify rosa parks or martin luther king jr um or or even i can remember a time earlier in my education where malcolm x was a very like like um terrorist essentially like, yeah like like he was labeled as like a, a really yeah. bad guy and now yeah. he's up on a martin luther king pedestal of you know one of the most important impactful i think colin kaepernick's gonna be the same way for some people he's already is on that he, he kind is. of like but there's a, there's gonna be a history's gonna look back at colin kaepernick and a lot of the folks who in that moment were mad at him for kneeling are gonna then when they're 50 or 60 be happy that they got Colin Kaepernick day off of school. Not really to that, but you know what I mean? Like they're going to be excited or be sharing Colin Kaepernick quotes on social media while when they were a kid, they were probably calling him an N-word, right? Yeah. And like, and upset about who he was or what he stood for. And so that is just getting worse. And these banning of books, yeah, they're going to go to the library and maybe check them out uh, or maybe find them or they're going to find these, these, I mean, the good thing about the internet is they can find these theories and stuff. But censorship at the state level like that is not something we've seen in a very long time if if really ever and so that is my larger concern there to to nate's point like they there's a lot of people that don't think that anything was wrong and it's easy if you take a step back and say like i don't think that i'm a terrible person as a white person for going back and saying well why did this happen because of this why did this happen because of this and the end result is that when we freed the slaves we freed them, but to your point, Q, we made a bunch of laws and rules and stuff that basically said, like, you're more or less still slaves, but we're not calling you slaves. Anymore. Job joblessness, like right. being unemployed was a crime. Right. Literally being, was a crime. Being, being homeless was a crime. And it's like, well, right. we, you, we you're not going to get a job. So, oh, you, you can't get a job because we, we don't allow you to get a job? Well, you're right. going to jail. 
Well, you know, 30s and 40s, people are turning turning a blind eye. If, if, if you drink out of a, the wrong water fountain, you know, the police are going to turn a blind eye if a gang of white dudes decides to beat the ever-living shit out of you because you drank from the wrong water fountain. That's only the 30s or 40s. Donald Trump was alive when those things were happening, right? And then if you go, you know, you watch any of these, these you know, movies or fictional or even non-fictional movies or shows about, um, you know, school integrations and stuff in the 50s and 60s, well, what's the crux of that movie? Remember the Titans. What's the crux of the movie? Like, right? I can like, hate the movie. white kids don't like the black kids coming to their school. Well, that's that's early 70s. So we're talking about folks that were 16, 17, 18 in the early 70s, right? So what happens in the 80s and 90s? To Nate's point, you know, you there's there's epidemics that are that are caused, and you know, it's not too far off to say that the people that are making these laws that are impacting these communities of color are people that were not very happy when those black people they hated their whole lives were allowed to go to school with them. It's the same time frame, and we're not so far away from that that it that it's you know crazy to think about. So that's just my larger concern with all of this. There's there's an immediate concern about what people are learning, but the larger piece is that we I think are getting more comfortable with like letting them have this win because we think maybe it'll impact them in the future. But are we actually doing more long-term damage than we think? I, I just don't think that we have a way of stopping him because the Florida legislator is just so sure. strongly Republican. Like the only way we can stop him long-term is, is just by calling it out as much as we can. But Florida, we might get to the point where Florida is just, like, I don't think the Democrats should invest any money there at all. It's a waste at this point. Yeah. It'd be a hard ask at that point. And and frankly, to your point, Philly, we are closer now to the civil rights movement happening in the 1960s than the, the passing of the Emancipation Proclamation was to the start of the American Revolution. Like that was over 100 years and we're only 50 years separated or 60 years separated from the Civil Rights Amendment in 1964. I think... This reminds me very much, and let me know what you guys think, but this reminds me of the early days of McCarthyism where there was enough of a scare in the country where people were like, well, the communists could be anywhere. Maybe we should listen to Joe McCarthy, and he's got some good points about this until they start investigating literally anyone and everyone who ever had any kind of socialist thought in their mind. And then before you know it, all of that support dried up because effectively what it was doing was – creating an environment where you're just scapegoating people into being the villains. Like there are so many actors, actresses, performers, like writers and directors that were essentially blacklisted from Hollywood because they had gone to like a, a socialist workers party mixer at fucking Brown in 1916. And Mm -hmm. it was right around the time that the Bolsheviks were starting to like organize and people like that have to be careful because they he needs to know when he oversteps his authority. And I think if once we get to 2024 and DeSantis says, I'm running for president, he's going to get to a place where he's, again, going to have to answer questions about stuff that's very un-American. And of all the things that are the is the most American tenant is the right to the freedom of thought. Now, regardless of what you what people are saying about like the 
quote unquote radical left where you can't think a certain way. There's no laws that are being passed that says that you have to believe in CRT or you have to like believe in this certain philosophy. You're not thrown but, in jail for misgendering people the way that right. they try and treat it. Yeah. Right. But you will be thrown in jail if you offer a child like Number of the Stars or a book like Black Like Me. Like there are or Between the World and Me, like there are actual ramifications that as soon as it becomes like a national story, DeSantis is going to have to answer to it. And he's going to fold like fucking wet laundry because he's going to have to answer to somebody like um, who's the one likable person on CNN still Jake Tapper. He's going to have to answer question, to somebody question, like questionable, 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 but at least he tries a likable guy. <laughs> No, and, and Tom, this also like you, you make a great point when it comes to like what fascism ultimately is. And like, guess what? It comes for everybody eventually. Um, you stop forced labor. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And, and remember, ultimately, he's going to run out of enemies and he's just going to start going after the more moderate Republicans that are like today are not even that fucking moderate. But also he can't wield power the way he wants to in, on a national level. In Florida, like in Florida, the, yeah, the state legislator has been overwhelmingly Republican for the last like two decades. So he's already got a built in protection system. If he had to wield, try and wield power as the president of the United States, it would be a completely different story because you're talking about dealing with two chambers of the House. The judiciary would be obviously be on his side. But like it's it's a completely different animal, and I don't think he's as prepared for that. He's got easy wins because whatever he does, he knows that the Florida Supreme Court, he knows that the Florida legislator will back him entirely. So that's it's the different other on thing. a national level. That's the other thing too, is that national policies are typically like trial ballooned, no pun intended, <laughs> given the circumstances. My, They're my trial balloon. <laughs> they're trial balloon much more because you're not just appealing to one political party. You have to appeal to the masses because ultimately the objective of being president is to get reelected and to set your party up for success later on. And if they're putting all of these, and we saw this with Trump's like second half of his first term where once that midterms rolled around and there was like an influx of Democrats into both houses it really changed the calculus for Trump because he was not able to do all of the things that he wanted to do. Frustrated him too. He got mm -hmm. frustrated. It drove him nuts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think DeSantis is going to be a major player in 24. I, I think he's going to continue causing havoc. Phil, you made a great point though, about like the election swinging. Cause like, have you ever, have you guys ever looked at the, the final results between him and Gilliam in 2020? It was by not, like, not since like 2020. The fuck. They were it was less than 1%. So it goes to show how like Florida is changing. But like when you look at Pennsylvania and Michigan, Wisconsin that are shifting heavily blue, I mean, like Josh Shapiro, like I didn't expect Josh Shapiro to clean up the way he did in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. I, I argue that the Democrats could have taken Ron Johnson out if they had spent a little bit more money there. Um, and the, the, the Wisconsin governor ended up winning. I think it was Tony Evers, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, the Midwest is swinging more Democrat more than ever. And it's becoming more labor centric. And I think more pro union uh, because we kind of lost our way there for a while. 
So now they have I'm to deliver, least, though. They actually have to deliver on that. You have you looking at have you looking at the agenda for the Michigan Democrat state legislator? It's Mm-mm. fucking Pill juicy. Me. It is Pill juicy. Me. They put out a they put out a letter and it was like it's protecting abortion rights. It's like fortifying unions. Um, I'll send you the document I saw. It's incredible. So awesome. I I Michigan is I I feel more secure now than I ever have, and uh, that. The Midwest, because remember, the, the way the Democrats win is by winning their elect, winning the states that they need to win, right? The coastals, coastal east, and then solidifying their their and fortifying their position in Virginia, possibly North Carolina. We'll see if North Carolina comes into play. But Mi- Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, those are the you win those. It's over. They can't do anything about it. And so, Tim Ryan, for for his credit, and we are not huge fans of Tim Ryan here. He did no. put up a hell of a fight and made up some and made some really good arguments about why voting for the Democratic Party in Ohio is going to be the best for Ohio. <laughs> did, did I don't remember? Um, <laughs> oh, look who fucking chimes in! This fucking guy. they gave him his Twitch at Getmo. Yeah, I, I'm 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 on the phone with. Uh, What's her fucking name? Jenny Thomas. <laughs> Jenny Thomas. Right now, we are stopping the steal. God, oh, I'm going to get you out of Guantanamo. Um, was it we're borrowing the, We're borrowing the balloon, and we're going to get you out. <laughs> was it even close between him and uh, J.D. Vance? It was pretty close. They needed um, they needed um, Mitch McConnell to like dump millions of dollars into that state, which they had to pull from Arizona – but both of those guys were trolling um, McConnell for a majority of it until they started to lose. <laughs> and then they needed the money. Waterboarding was ineffective. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you sick fuck God. I swear to God. <laughs> they were like, this isn't funny anymore. He keeps getting Stop fucking laughing. turned on. Why is he moaning? <laughs> Wait, he's trying to say something. He's trying to say something. What are you saying? Wait. He More water. Plastic, he put the plastic bag over his own head. <laughs> this bag isn't tight enough around my neck. I can still breathe. I need you to cut off more circulation. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little worried about um I'm a little worried about Sherrod Brown in 2024, though, because as much as Ohio has kind of stabilized, it's still a very red state. So I just Sherrod Brown has been kind of a mainstay, but I, I feel like they're gonna try and find somebody to take him out. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it's going to be really dependent on who the Republicans run because I think that was also – I'm not as like optimistic as you are, Q, on some of the the big spikes in Democratic support in some of those states because like uh, Josh Shapiro ran against a fucking lunatic and Fetterman ran against a guy who didn't even live in the state. My only thing kind of coming back on that is Big Gretch um winning by the amount that she did was... but i mean to be fair though the republican party in michigan fucked themselves they, tremendously, they and they basically yeah. voter frauded themselves they did but remember Gre- big gretch got a lot of flack during fucking covid because she was locking down things and like mm-hmm. she ruined people's lives and all that and they, they were like that's gonna be the chickens come home to roost and she fucking cleaned up so chickens are coming home to roost bobby boucher um <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll i'll shift it for a second if not biden in 2024 
who? Well, mm. if the Democrats had that answer, they... Uh... My fear is that it's going to be Buttigieg, and that's not going to go well. Uh, here's what I will say. Beyonce. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I feel. <laughs> I think Beyonce would win. Uh, not in Florida. A thousand percent. Not in Florida. Not in Florida. Um, but she, could, she might get the Texas vote. Yeah. Um, that's right. Uh, could you imagine Jay-Z as, as first man? Hell yeah. Cheer. Wow. Cheer. We in the Oval <laughs> Office. Chill. Cheer. School lunch. <laughs> Easter eggs. I mean, we're we've gonna, talked we're about gonna it. We're going to win in 2028, show. too. We've talked about um, it in the show. JB Pritzker. Yeah. Stunt on them hoes. I, 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 I will season, say, baby. though, that any Democrat that's going to run could use a lesson, not any, but a lot of Democrats that, that maybe had the ability to run could use a lesson from Pete Buttigieg in, um, in like his, his interviewing skills and his ability to stay calm, absorb the you know atten- attempted slight or blow from the interviewer, particularly when he goes on like Fox News. They'll come with him with like a really pointed thing, and he'll shut them down so eloquently without you know stooping to their level, um, but but centered around the facts and. Uh, and you know, and, and legitimate answers that that is what we need if we're going to fight misinformation and distruths and and all these things is to come with truth that you can't deny that makes you go, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll ask my next question then. My uh, only thing. That's the McKinsey Buttigieg. consultant in him, though. <laughs> <laughs> we heard you were f- pre- f- uh, fixing bread prices. <laughs> Do you remember that fucking moment, Tom? Yeah, when he did the New York Times board. Oh my God, it's great. Um, I agree with you, Philly. He's a very good interviewer. Problem is, everywhere else he fucking sucks. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he doesn't do his job. <laughs> he fuck. He's garbage. Um, I don't know. I, I think I honestly think this is gonna be a person who's probably gonna be a player. I don't know if he's gonna get it, but Gavin Newsom seems like a person who is going to get some play at least. Don't surprise me if they get desperate though. Michelle Obama just being like, I, again, I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just speaking on like what I can predict from here. If they get desperate enough, I think they might try and tap her. I have another if, thought too. Shoot it. Um, Philly, who is our governor? <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I'm letting you, you. This is all on you. You're gonna fucking sink. Don't Google it. Don't Google it. I don't, can't don't remember. Ra, I just had ra, it. Ra, ra, ra. It's right there. You know it. You know it. Don't Google it. Don't, don't, don't shame yourself. Fucking, with this. Don't, don't do you fucking don't, don't fucking don't, Google that you piece you of shame, shit. You shame. You no, shame yourself I on your I own podcast. I didn't. Um. By the way, shout out to Andy Bashar, uh, the governor of Kentucky. Kentucky's going blue in 2024. You heard her here. His dad was a governor too, or he was a major politician. And he's great. I, I think that he's done a really good job running that state. Um, it's, it's he's, I don't know how he keeps, I don't know how he keeps winning. I want because... to go back to Roy Cooper though. The man formerly known as Roy Cooper. I'm, I'm curious is, is if he's had that conversation with anybody yet. Cause you got to think about it though. It's a grow. It's one of the fastest growing States in the country it leans blue, except for the North Carolina Supreme Court. 
And frankly, like he hasn't upset enough people for him not to run. And I think that's the problem that a lot of Democratic candidates have experienced is that they are too well known and there's too much dirt on them. Like the Gavin Newsom shit list is basically like a fucking Gerald Tolkien novel at this point. Like it's it's a very extensive list of things that he can be trolled on. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the other candidates are also in there. Pete, dog, you got to do your job. Like the fucking airport shut down twice in three weeks. Like do your fucking job. He um, sucks. He sucks so bad. But then a lot of the other people too also have like weird connections to like FTX and really like fumbled the bag on that one as well. And I mean, Andrew how Cuomo old, is toxic. How old is, how old is Root Roy Cooper? He's in his He's 50s be early or 60s. 50s. Yeah. I, I, I will Google that. I think they're going to try and move away it's, from the older guys. He's born in 1957. 65? hmm Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of alternatives at this point. You, like, ma- you make a good point. Tom, that he that governor governors are always attractive because they are essentially the heads of a state. So it's kind of a similar type of uh, job. And yeah, a fast growing metropolis that's leaning more towards blue, but can kind of govern over uh, red, you know, red states, uh, red portions of the state. He makes a good candidate. I don't know any of his positions. I'd have to like actually do some studying on him. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I don't think I don't. I'm gonna call it now. I don't think they should run Biden in 2024. He is already so fucking old, and he dislike so old. <laughs> Simmons is old. He should have been out of the game years ago. He can't say <laughs> home, home because he, he hates, hates his life. <laughs> okay, so the one so question the one, though, if it, go ahead, go ahead, Tom. Well, the one thing I was gonna say is like people keep saying Biden shouldn't run, and yet we still continuously get good shit that comes out of their. I administration agree. Though. That's I agree. the problem, though. That's the conundrum. I'm not saying like you're wrong. It's just, and I don't know whether he's just there and the policy people are in a position. Like the National Labor Relations Board is really, really good. They've taken a lot of stance on like um, anti monopoly and corruption. Like they've done a lot of really good stuff. And he's, I agree. Whether it's him or the people that he is in his like orbit have also identified really good and hard to argue with people to run these federal agencies that now yeah. Lauren Boebert wants to completely fucking defund. And she actually doesn't know how the government works because Congress doesn't <laughs> do that. But I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Honestly, I think post world war two. So we're not counting FDR in this scenario is Biden top three as presidents post world war two. I mean, Eisenhower, I think would be up there great president though um yeah i thank you, know. you thank you for the interstates yeah like love like, the interstates what what republican would want to build highways nowadays one could also make the argument that lyndon baines johnson was also probably one of the of best presidents yeah. like yeah. time has been very good to him absolutely yeah but i mean like and his ability to capitalize on a tragic situation to basically get a bunch of really important shit passed was yeah is not lost so i mean between like Obama, Clinton, Bush, the two Bushes, Reagan, Carter, uh, Nixon, JFK, Gerald Ford. Like Biden's 
close, if not top three. Donnie, Donnie, cl- you forgot Donnie. No, I didn't forget about him. Trust me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not my, not my president. Oh, um, not my president. <laughs> so yeah, no, he has. I think my concern in here is that Kamala Harris has not done anything to essentially vault her profile. Like you don't hear from her. You don't really see her. And when you do, she's making some very weird speeches. And I think the concern might be in 2024 that you can't remove her because then you're going to hurt that faction that because she does have the fucking K hive. She does have a ardent amount of supporters, but then you don't feel secure with Biden being so old. Like if you told me that Roy Cooper was going to go on his ticket, right? I would feel more secure. But, mm-hmm. like, you risk upsetting a lot of people if you do that. So, unless you, like, make her a, a Supreme Court justice or something. Hear me out here. You swap out the K-Hive with the Bay-Hive. <laughs> Just Biden, Beyonce? Beyonce? <laughs> Biden, Beyonce. How many um, platinum albums does Beyonce have versus Kamala? Don't worry, I'll wait. How many Grammy fucking wins does Kamala Harris have? Uh, I'll say eight. for for Biden, my my question is what if you're looking at his to your point, Q. If you're looking at his presidency, what are the major um, qualms with him, uh, or what are the major talking points in the media that negative about him that mm-hmm. don't have to do with his health, his speech? Uh, or you know, maybe he's like Hunter fucking rules. Okay. Hunt, Let's just get yes. that fucking straight. He's, if he's I could record myself Hunter's smoking crack multiple times. I think Hunter should be, be his running mate. Honestly, like Hon- Hunter Biden, honestly, Biden, Biden, Biden has partied with a guy like Hunter at of one course. Point. They were Hunter Biden in college for right. sure. And uh, to be fair, Don Jr. Couldn't handle that much crack cocaine. And that's why he's jealous of <laughs> <laughs> um, Nate made a great point that I think the original thought was that he was going to serve one term and then he would either like age out and Harris would take over. But I think there's concerns about her F- to uh, answer your question, Philly. I don't have any major concerns. Like, honestly, I'd be fine with him running again. My only issue is that I think the general public might have some qualms because again, he wasn't, he's not a great speaker at this point in his life. <laughs> Um, and, it, and I don't think there's a lot of mental decline, but there's certainly like, a, you know, a speech decline. I worry that we're like going like he was already kind of spotty in 2020. And now you're talking about another year from now. And then he's going to be hitting the trail where he's going to be a almost 80 year old man flying and driving to different cities, um, you know, every night. I just worry, like if you told me that Bernie was like. Kamala Harris, they're going to name her attorney general or Supreme Court justice or whatever. And then it's a Biden Bernie fucking ticket. Sign me up. So I'm hearing alliteration. I'm hearing the key for us is alliteration. As long as the names. Biden, Beyonce, Biden, Bernie. Let's fucking go. Come on. No, but uh, but in all seriousness. Kamala Clobber. I think Klobuchar has kind of spoiled her reputation a little bit. She was just a little too like cap, like corporation centric. And 
I think you're starting to see that side of it play out for the Democrats and like maybe we shouldn't be super close to Wall Street because that's actually not our base at all and they're going to vote against us anyway. I think I think ultimately the Democrats tried to play like the dark money game with Wall Street and they end up getting screwed because a lot of the policies that the base of the Democratic Party wants is to tax the rich or at least have them pay their fair share, um, regulate Wall Street so it's not nearly as predatory as it's been, and ensure that there's fair wages for everybody. And all of those things go and fly in the face of like corporate America. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're seeing a shift in, you've, you saw it in 20. 20- um, 16 in the Republican Party, and it's growing, and you're seeing it, I think, kind of rise up a little bit in 2016, but more so in 2020. Um, there's factions developing in each of these parties, and yeah. we still are still uh, election cycle still really supports a two party, um, you know, election. But you know, I'd be super interested to see like if a ranked choice was ever implemented nationwide, what that would turn into, because you know, I could see the Democrats, um, you know, let's say in 20, it'd have to be 2028, um, you know, with someone like Kamala, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, more of a, a, a moderate, uh, just, le- just left of center moderate, um, you know, Democrat versus the, I don't know what they would call themselves necessarily, but the AOCs of the world who are, you know, much more, um, you know, democratic socialists, you know, let's, let's fund these programs that we need. They, that would split those factions in the same way that I think you could see a split ticket, you know, this year with a, um, a more, a Trump and then a more out there. Like if, you know, there's talk about, uh, Trump running on a third party ticket. I'd love that. If DeSantis. I fucking love that. And I, and I actually would love that too. Like (laughs) one, it would take away, you know, Biden wins 48 States if that happens. Right. But I would be interested to see as a small test run to see what that would look like. It wouldn't work because we don't have ranked choice, but you could get an idea of like what percentage voted for who. And if it was ranked choice, what, how would that change things? Yeah. You know, maybe super interested to see. I, I want to get your guys' thoughts. Um, so Nate, Nate saying, take the word allow an independent to be one of the major televised debates. They don't want it to happen because they know the power of that happening. Yeah, the only thing, though, I'll comment, though, on that, Nate, is that my fear and concern about a independent or third party candidate is that if you see how the UK operates, right, they have the Tory party, they have the Dem, uh, the, the Dems, and then they have the Labour Party. The Dems are the more moderate left, kind of left to center, center wing party. Tories are obviously the far right and Labour is far left. Labor loses every single time, essentially, because of the fact that ultimately the Dems, the liberal Dems typically coalesce more often with the Tories. And my concern is that the more moderate, the Joe Manchins, the fucking cinemas will ultimately more or less coalesce on the side of Republicans in this in this scenario. If you put another person on that stage and split the vote even more. So I agree. I like more dissenting voices. And also the Democrats, I wanted to bring this up because it drives me fucking insane. The DNC, they have no sense. I don't know if you guys have heard the primaries now will not start in Iowa for the Democrats. It's going to start in South Carolina. 
And I don't fucking understand this. New Hampshire would have been a smarter move. Michigan would have been a smarter move. I know Michigan usually does Super Tuesdays. Anything other than fucking South Carolina. They are essentially trying to, again, rig it for a more moderate conservative Democrat. Because if you remember, if you go back, Bernie won the popular vote in Iowa, even though they gave more superdelegates to Pete. He won in New Hampshire, Bernie, and then cleaned up in Nevada. And then they finally got um, South Carolina congressman who I actually saw in North Carolina when I went to visit you, Tom. Uh, what's, his, what's his name? Jim Clyburn. Uh, Jim Clyburn. Thank you. No, I should have made you figure that out. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You should have. Fuck, you fucked up. So <laughs> thank you. Um, I saw him in. I saw him in the bathroom at the airport. Nice. Um, I should have told him. I should have told him to fuck off. Um, you shake it for him. <laughs> yeah, two hands, baby. Um, <laughs> you know. So ultimately, so ultimately, um, they are essentially again trying to rig the system um, to allow uh, the more conservative wing of the Democratic Party to. Uh, take hold. So I, I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on that. The way it was spun, at least the way I understood it, was there is a belief that South Carolina is in play for this election cycle, and they want to a move fucking it there. Shot, to, right? But you also, they're also semi-delusional in their minds because they thought that all of these candidates who basically got all of their money and support from outside of their states and from their mm -hmm. districts, were going to win the guy who ran against fucking Lindsey Graham, who was Harrison. supposed to like have so much Jamie Harrison, who had so much more money than him and lost by like 30 fucking points or he Amy got McGrath horched. Yeah. The only one that had it worse was Amy McGrath. And like when the, when the counting started at like 9am, she'd already lost. <laughs> So I think that's their that's their belief that like if they wish it to be true, they can make South Carolina be a blue state and go along with North Carolina and then bring Georgia into it. And I'm like, can we just deal in realities for a little bit? And they the the other argument too was they wanted to be representative of the different racial makeups of both of those states and that why should a state like Iowa be of like majority white state be the ones to determine that and it's Nevada Nevada Michigan would have been a solid choice um there's a number of options that they could have done but yeah you go to New a state Mexico. that's consistent yeah New Mexico you go to a state that's consistently red like what do you it is one of it is one of the most there? conservative states in the fucking union Right. And even the Democratic voters in South Carolina are often very conservative. So. Right. You like, yeah, you you start like thinking like, I don't know about gay folks. When you start, you cross the line in South Carolina, you start like, I actually don't know if I like gay people anymore. I'm, I've only been in the state for five minutes. <laughs> um, I, you I don't fucking know, haul. I, <laughs> the roads haul, does it to you. It's the road. The roads are terrible in South Carolina. Um, I, don't, I agree with y'all. Um, you know, I, I, I wonder if there's less thought that they can actually win it and it's more of a goodwill gesture of sorts. Could be, um, you know, when in the, in the, um, in the aftermath of 2016, there was a lot of conversations about how the democratic party didn't even try in some States, uh, some States they lost like Michigan and, uh, Wisconsin and, um, and some of those, but 
But also, I think there was, you know, there's a lot of focus on the on the big swing states, which there always is. I, I wonder to what extent this is the Democratic Party saying to a very southern state that I don't think they think they're going to win in the next three election cycles, yeah. but are future proofing themselves to say, hey, we take your vote seriously and we want to listen to you. And you may not vote for us for another three or four election cycles. And that's fine. Part of me hesitates to think that's real because I don't know how much foresight that they have. And maybe that's giving them. Why don't we just do it in Florida then, Philly? Why don't we just go to Texas and have the opening primary there? Like, if all great ideas. I honestly. Let's just do it in a January ice storm and then that'll they'll get so many votes. I'd honestly rather them do Texas because Texas was closer to going blue than fucking South Carolina was. Let's do it in Mississippi then. How about that? Let's do it in a state that is 100% never going to be a Democratic state. You know what? West Virginia. Let's do West Virginia next or Utah. You know what? Utah would be great. Yeah. Where they don't allow music. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Footloose. Yeah, it's uh, is that where uh, Footloose takes place? I've never seen Mike that. Lee runs up on the stand, like, no, no music, it leads to intercourse. No, it's, uh, it's basketball. He says the Jazz moved to uh, moved to, to Utah where they don't allow music. music. <laughs> <laughs> that is such an underrated movie, it's so That's good. Great. So, Super Bowl guys, I'm actually mm. interested to know. All right, so we've talked about it, right? Do we want to talk about what we're going to do after first, or do we want to talk about the game? Because my feelings haven't changed from last week. I think uh, I think the Eagles are going to roll here pretty easily. Sadly, I don't I don't like it, but I think probably by two scores, I, I'm going to go with Philly. I'm slightly rooting for Kansas City because I saw some like stupid Philly chip on your shoulder bullshit from Nick Sirianni that. Oh, when Andy Reid was hired in Kansas City, he I wasn't retained. Like, guy, you're a fucking quality assurance coach. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you know, you know, when someone says you're not good enough, you just come back. I'm like, all right, guy, like, relax. You fucking, he's such a fucking in, he's such he's an so idiot. cringe. Yeah, yeah. He's so Philly though. Like, that's the thing. It, no, pun <laughs> <laughs> not Philly, I, Philly. Philadelphia, yeah. Philly. This is gonna get confusing yeah. really quick. City of brotherly yeah. love and batteries getting because like fuck Philly, but not fuck I mean, yeah, Philly, like, but not you. Like, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we will, but no. Like, it, like it, fuck off Philly, there. but not Philly, right? You know, yeah. right, 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 right. right. <laughs> I get, I get where we're going here. Yeah. It's so insane. there was a there was an article on ESPN from him that he was basically like, you know when someone doubts you and you're able to show them who you really are. And then like, guy, it's fucking Andy Reed though. It's not like some stooge that it's not like some incapable coach, like Bill O'Brien saw you and you were like an offensive coordinator and he fired you because, you know, for clout, it was like, you are a wide receivers coach who is fresh in the league. You didn't have that big of a reputation. I think it's okay. If Andy Reed, a guy who's got, a, a very, very good track record wants to bring his own guys in. And it's not like they've struggled ever since Nick Sirianni left. Like they've been all right. That said, I think Philly still wins, but I don't want Sirianni to have a good night. Well, you as a commanders fan should not be rooting for the Eagles at all. In any no. Circumstance. 
I mean, to be fair, it's basically like Stockholm syndrome in fucking Washington or Re- Landover, so, Maryland, right now. So, Philly, where do you where do you stand on the Super Bowl? Um, I am gonna go contrarian here. Uh, not just to go contrarian, but um, it's good for the I, show. I, I, for the show, for the for the listeners. Um, I'll preface by saying that I would not be surprised if the Eagles won. Like I, I in no way do I think that this is a um, a certain a certain thing. I just think that the Chiefs. We talked about this a little bit in the Discord uh, earlier this week or last week, but yeah, there's that Burrowhead chip on their shoulder, and regardless if it's a, I actually think it's there's a little bit more credence to that than the Georgia thing than the Georgia. Like no one thought Georgia was going 500 this year. Like they did every, apparently. Yeah. Do they just like go to training camp? Like, guys, we kind of suck. We're <laughs> all not smart, good like, at this. They got, like everyone, a, th- they got, they got a 35 year old too. quarterback. Their quarterback's yeah, like, like 35 years old. So, um, so I don't know. So I, I think there's a little bit more there to that. Like, I can understand being frustrated that you're about to play a home playoff game in one of the most intimidating stadiums. And the other team, particularly some of the, the guys that were saying it, were you know, are, are kind of just shitting on you. So I, I get that. I think that the Chiefs roll with this. I just have Jalen Hurts played in big games. I don't think this is a I don't say this is a detriment to him or his, his ability. Like I think if the Chiefs win this, it's a close game. It's a game that's won in the final couple of minutes. And hobbled or not, if I have to take somebody, I'm gonna take Mahomes over Hurts. Yeah. Um, if it's if it's coming down to a, a one possession game and I need one of those two quarterbacks to lead me 95 yards or or to lead me 45, 50 yards in 30 seconds for a field goal, it's Mahomes. I mean, you saw against the Bengals, there was the the um, late hit out of bounds that really set them up for that field goal. But Mahomes is hobbling around like doing whatever he had to do to make the plays happen. And um, I just think that with that little chip on their shoulder that the Chiefs could really win this thing. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles won, but I'm going to go Chiefs here uh, in, a, mm-hmm. in a pretty close game. I think my only concern is that the injury is bad enough. Hardman, I don't think, is going to play. Tony, I probably He's IR. He's not. Hardman's on IR. Yeah, so yeah, Hardman's definitely out. I think he was doubtful the last time I saw it, so I didn't think he was going to play. Tony, we don't know, and I mean, if anything, he'll play he's four snaps, hurt. and then young young Joka is going to play four snaps, and then he's going to be like, "Ow, my ankle! I need to come out." Um, so that leaves what Kelsey, probably Juju, and then you know, MVS. It's, yeah, it's it's just not a very alluring. My biggest concern though is not going to be the Philly defense; it's going to be the Philly offense. I don't know if that Kansas City defense can slow them down at all. Um, I, I they have good pass rushers. I love Chris Jones, um, but like I just don't. I don't know if they're going to be able to slow that offense down because they again from a run perspective they can just control the clock like anybody else. It's crazy. Sure. So, but if if anything, I think there can be an overconfidence and um, how badly they beat San Francisco, and the fact that Kansas City had to kind of gut it out against Cincinnati. And, and against Jacksonville too, I think that and both of those games shows their resolve. Yeah, and I, and I'll say too to your point about you know you just mentioned that Kadarius Tony's out most likely, um, but he's been a somewhat non-starter for them most of the year. Pretty and electric Harbin, when he plays. Sure, yeah, yeah. There's no doubt in that he he can. It's just if he's going to play. Yeah, but I, and 
you know, he's played little enough that I don't think it's impacted them. The uh, the whole conversation, the whole offseason was can the Chiefs and more specifically Patrick Mahomes be successful without Tyreek Hill? And Mahomes had not a career year, but a very good, like an MVP worthy year. Uh, and the Chiefs looked unbeatable at times. And this was, we were made to believe in the offseason, a team that was going to suffer tremendously with the loss of Tyreek Hill. And it, to be fair, you saw how great Tyreek Hill was for the Dolphins. So that was certainly a gigantic loss for them. They still ended up in the Super Bowl, you know, with a, with a pretty strong offense that is capable of scoring on any drive. And so mm-hmm. all that, you know, and then they're also getting uh, Clyde edwards Elair back as well. Uh, and so, I mean, it just kind of muddies that backfield up, but you could then shift some folks up like a Jarek McKinnon up into like a slot and, you know, run some, some kind of trickery plays there. So I just... I'm not in the position to count them out just yet. Um, yeah. It, it's, I think that's particularly fair. if Mahal Mahomes played a week after a high ankle sprain, he's got two weeks to sit on it. I think he's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I, I still think I'm with you, Philly, that I think there's like, this is about it, even as a game as you can get. I just, I, I think my internal bias towards the field the philadelphia eagles i'm trying to almost like jinx them by picking them so <laughs> don't mind me i've been there yeah um so what do you got like are there any sports that you guys are looking forward to after um because you know after the super bowl is over because like there is a, a dead period that's kind of coming up where it's just going to be basketball we're Knicks fans apparently one night they're great they can be Philadelphia, and then they can't beat the Clippers the other night. So, um, baseball's a little bit further away. Is there anything you guys are looking forward to? Philly, go ahead. Yeah, I um, you know, Tom and I were talking the other night, and uh, we were discussing college basketball. Is like, you know, it's March, so <laughs> probably time to start watching that. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that is a uh, basketball in general is a sport that I really like. Um, but I think the start of it during football season, uh, I'm just so consumed with college and then the NFL and fantasy and all the things that come with it that, um, I can't really pick up and dedicate time to watching basketball really until March madness or, you know, close to the playoffs for the NBA. And so, uh, I'm a heat fan. Um, yeah, you're yeah. Get out, get out of here. Get out. I'll see myself out. <laughs> um, Hit him with the waiting and... room music. <laughs> we're we're uh, we're sitting, I think, fifth or sixth in the the Eastern Conference, and um, you know, I, I don't know that we're going to make a deep you know deep playoff run. So I'm not I'm not super you know uh, into it. But there's a couple of um, of new seasons starting that I'm that I'm particularly excited about. Um, February, March is the time for motorsports to start up. So uh, F1 is in the midst of um, debuting their cars for the next year. Um, their live, their, uh, uh, I was going to say liveries, but they're, if you don't know what that is, like their paint schemes, essentially, what their cars are going to look like this year. And and some some are saying what their actual aerodynamic uh, components are going to look like. Um, also, Tom, I don't know if you saw the, uh, I just noticed it later, the Williams uh, car the AirPod is a uh, energizer battery or Duracell battery. Yeah. It's like shaped yeah, to look like a battery. It's one of the more clever uh, elements I've seen um, built into a car. So that's starting up. Um, last year was a bit of a dud of an F1 season for me. Um, Max Verstappen just 
ran away with it. Most of it them was... are, to be fair. There's only a handful of times where the, the, the sure. seasons have been good. Well, there, well, there's, you know, there was a, uh, it's funny enough because the other motorsport I want to talk about is NASCAR. Both last year introduced new rules packages um, to try and um, create better racing and create better on-track product. And um, it didn't go as well for F1. Uh, Red Bull uh, kind of stood head and shoulders above everybody else. Ferrari was was there, but um, just shot themselves in the foot one too many times. And then NASCAR actually did level the playing field. They had 19 different winners in in, um, in 36 races. So uh, it was quite the, uh, the interesting season. So both of those start up. Uh, last night was a exhibition race for NASCAR um, at the LA Coliseum. They, um, they brought out Wiz Khalifa and Caleb Williams and um, Cypress Hill performed at one point. Um, so it was, it was super interesting. Um, it's, it's a cool, it's cool to see them race, um, you know, in a football field, there's a racetrack actually near Tom and I called Bowman gray. That is a notorious short track, uh, known for really great racing and really rough and rowdy, uh, bumping and, and banging. And, um, and so it kind of reminiscent of that. Uh, but then the Daytona 500 is the week after the Super Bowl, So that's, um, it was hailed as a Super Bowl for NASCAR. So I'm pretty excited about, about those. Um, those are a year-long thing. So it's kind of a, a season-long commitment. You start in February and you end in November. Uh, so we'll be talking about, about those for a while. And then the MLS starts up as well. So that'll be another thing taking up my time. Charlotte FC uh, is, my, is my club. And uh, with Liverpool in the Premier League, uh, just really just, just shitting the bed. Just It's just awful. It's like... It's like a bad car wreck. Like I turn it on every morning and I know that we're going to lose <laughs> and it's not even going to be pretty. Like we're going to probably lose by two or three goals. And I just still watch. And by the 80th minute, I've somehow convinced myself that we're going to score like two or three Wardleys in 10 minutes and eke out, you know, a draw or you maybe even eke out a win. And then the 89th minute, I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just turn it off now. Uh, so that's up called to an abusive well. relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I imagine it's similar to how you feel about the commies. Yes, very <laughs> much so. It's ran by a like billionaire who's a fucking idiot who doesn't know where to spend his money, and the team is just constantly bad. Yeah, that sounds actually exactly right. Yeah, perfect. So I mean, no, that's where I'm at. I uh, I'm just gonna be sitting in a pit of misery for the rest of my life. The Vikings. Um, Liverpool, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Miami Heat. We're just, God, yeah, we're, I just hate we're, myself. We're not going to get along at during any of these seasons at all. Um, Do I, you have I, a prem I, team? Um, was was it? Do you have a prem team? Uh, yeah, I actually, well, Liverpool was one was the one thing I like. My a guy I worked with, um, he's he's from uh, Ecuador. Okay. And he watched a lot of uh, Premier League, and I did. I did get into Liverpool because um, that was his team. So um, yeah, I, I like uh, it was most Salah, right? So yeah. I like I, I I like him. I, I I don't follow it as much as I should, but like whatever. If I do catch a game on, I will watch Liverpool. Up the res, baby. You never walk alone, <laughs> except when Street you lose. Street safety. Street safety. <laughs> so Tampa Bay Rays and Miami Heat from Florida. What got you onto the Vikings? Great question. I uh, we had a family friend of ours growing up that lived with us. His whole family was from Minnesota, 
Um, and he lived with us probably when I was like probably in seventh and eighth grade. My parents didn't really watch football. Uh, we were uh, NASCAR folks, and um, and my mom's from San Francisco, so if she watched sports, it was the 49ers. Um, and actually, the Giants are my secondary uh, MLB team for that same reason. My actually, my first my first ever professional sporting event was a Warriors game, hmm. um, and my second was a Giants game. Um, hmm. Beautiful, so, stadium. beautiful stadium. Oh, be- oh, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so love it there, but and I love I love the Giants. But um, when I was trying to pick, I was you know starting to play football and. And really get into it and my friends were super into it and i was like i want to get into this i need to pick a team it was right around when the bucks had just won the super bowl so that was an easy target but just didn't i didn't want to i would walk into walmart and see a bucks jersey hanging and i'd be like mm. i can't root for this team brad johnson, <laughs> brad johnson. kind of right <laughs> he said I mean, the same thing <laughs> how, old you, how old are you philly uh 33 so you're about our age so yeah so like you grew up with dante culpepper and randy moss and like Great, like right. I mean, that they were like, uh-uh. Hugh has crashed. Philly, question for you Who is yes. your favorite Minnesota Vikings player of all time? Of all time, um, it's a great question. I, uh, as Q was saying before, he, uh, just completely chunked out of this call. Um, I started with uh, Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss. And so there's a, uh, there's just a part of me like playing, uh, playing Madden back in the day and just seeing somebody line up uh, press coverage on Randy Moss and just audibling to a fly and just throwing the ball deep to him um, are some amazing memories that I'll, that I'll, that I'll ever have. Um, so I, I love Randy Moss. Um, I loved AP when he played for us. Um, uh, I really like Harrison Smith. He's been a stalwart on our defense for uh, for years. Um, but I'm going to go recency bias and Homer here. Um, I just love watching Justin Jefferson play. Yeah, he's uh, filthy. The, the, he's so good. I think he's better than Randy Moss. I think uh, like talent-wise, and I think he will um, probably – you know, in his career, um, stats wise, better than Randy Moss. Um, and he's just, it's been a long time since I've had somebody particularly on the Vikings that has been so just fun to watch and so dynamic. And, um, and just like, there's a youthfulness, a, a youthful energy to him that like, when he scores, it's like a kid in a candy store. Like he's like, doing the gritty and he's dancing and he's celebrating with his teammates. He's got a big old smile on his face. It's just like Randy was like a different animal when he would score, you know, he'd, he'd get in your face or he'd do something cocky that like, like I'm the best, like, you know, mooning the Packers. It's one of my favorite things of all time, but like mooning the, the Packers fans, he did those kind of celebrations where Justin is just like, just so happy to be there and just like, so happy to like prove everybody wrong. My favorite uh, clip of all time second to the Minnesota miracle the Minneapolis miracle is Justin Jefferson's first touchdown catch he catches it he's wide open running down the field he gets like the 20 yard line it just starts grittying the whole way the last 20 yards he's doing the gritty into the end zone um and it's just one of my favorite uh one of my favorite Vikings memories so th- those it's recency bias there um 
I love Jared Allen when he played for the Vikings. Uh, he was just so disruptive. Um, but it, the 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 Homer piece is is uh, an LSU grad, and so the Justin Jefferson um, pick there is kind of a, an easy a melding of my two worlds. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he's so fucking good, Justin Jefferson. We're you. just talking about how good he is and just how how much fun he's having when he's playing. I will yeah. say though, I think that Dante Culpepper like three year stretch where he was just stupid good. Yeah. That was my favorite time in football. Like you could be six foot five and just like 260 pounds, just an absolute fucking tank and just hauling it across the field. Like a ton of rushing yards, 4,700 passing yards. Like I loved Dante Culpepper in Madden. I would trade any goon off the team. And being a Washington fan, it wasn't hard to find the goons at quarterback. I would just yeah. like Culpepper, now you're mine. It's kind of there's like, two cheat like codes Michael in Madden. In the later ones. Yeah. yeah. There's two Vic uh, and Culpepper. It, well, for me, it was mm. Vic. Or if I didn't have the Falcons, I wanted the Vikings because like I said if you saw Moss single covered, like press coverage, over again, you just audible to a fly. And just throw the ball deep. And Culpepper had a big enough arm that it would just every time sixty yard touchdown, just bomb yep. it. Culpepper was from my hometown, and so that was a big factor too. Was like when I was choosing the Vikings were one. Culpepper was from my hometown. Uh, his aunt worked with my mom at the post office, um, and so there was like that connection there. And um, and then I had a buddy who was uh, a Vikings fan, and so I was like, well, I have some camaraderie there and i had a buddy who was a packers fan and so it was nice to just shit on him uh every week and talk trash to him so yeah love that q what about you what are you looking forward to in the off season i know as you and i are knicks fans but you can't invest all of your time in that right you have to find something else that's more enjoyable and doesn't want to make you cry yourself to sleep yeah i i can't watch them anymore it's just too frustrating um, I don't, I, I mean, I'm really kind of waiting on baseball. I'm, I'm excited, obviously, uh, to, for the Yankees this year, getting Aaron judge back, um, was obviously huge. Um, I honestly, like, as far as sports are concerned, this is kind of a dead period for me. I'm actually looking, mm-hmm. I'm actually focusing more on the draft coming up. Um, I'm excited about that. So I'm kind of, I want to start digging into the prospects and kind of interested to see where, uh, where the giants are going to go. Um, there's a really good cornerback class from what I can see. So I'm excited to kind of dig in on that. But uh, th- yeah, as far as sports are concerned, that's going to be probably the majority of it. Cause I, the Knicks just drive me fucking insane. I, I, I watched that Clippers game and I went the minute that fucking Nicholas Batum fucking hits a last second three pointer to go to the overtime. Like this game's over lost. Already. Yeah. They make it really <laughs> complicated for you to root for them. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Before the end, before the end of the season, before the wrong. Giants secured a playoff <laughs> bid, did you say that you were worried about Danny Dimes playing well down the stretch, so that he got extended? Yep. Given I, their stretch run, how do you feel yeah. about Danny Dimes now? I I actually said in the beginning of the year that my worst case scenario for the New York Giants is they make the playoffs. Jones plays well enough to get him there, and then they have to give him a lot of money. And this is kind of worst case scenario. I enjoyed the ride, though. uh, That's for sure. Good. He 
Showed a lot of, he he fixed um one of the biggest issues that he had was when reading defense he would number one lock in on a primary guy. I think actually he benefited from having a scrub receiving core is because you can't lock in on any of those guys. You just kind of kind of have to go to whoever's open. But the one big issue that he had was pocket presence. There would be times where I'd be going one, two, three, four, like and like get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, and he takes a sack. And he was doing that at Duke. So I'm like, if he can't figure it out now, he's never going to figure it out. He actually yeah. got better at, at climbing the pocket, moving vertically and horizontally. So um, there's improvement. The downside is now it's going to be anywhere from 30 to 40 million. If you're asking me if the Colts called tomorrow and said, we'll give you the number four pick and we'll give you future picks for him, I don't think I'd say no. Yeah. It's not unreasonable. I, and it's I think about that we talked management. about it's just about resetting the cap, you know? Yeah. And that's and and we've talked about this quite a bit. This is a Dave Gettleman problem. This isn't like a Danny Daniel Jones problem. The the unfortunate reality is the uh the former GM of the Carolina Panthers and former GM of the New New York Giants, he had a great way of spending other people's money and really fucked Q over. <laughs> And the Giants too, by the way. And, and yeah, Saquon, <laughs> all, Saquon also a free agent. I'm also, but I'm actually, I'm on the let Saquon walk train as hmm. far as it goes. I don't think they should be investing 13, 40. He, he wants 16 million a year. I'm not interested in them all. No. Q, you had mentioned baseball and I'm sure we can mm-hmm. get into this more once pitchers and catchers report and all of those things. But how do you feel about this Yankee season? More excited now, obviously, because um, what's his name? Fuckface um, announcing judge to the Giants early. Um, John Heyman. Ma- John Heyman. Yeah, thank you. I just call him Fuckface at this point. Um, that, like, I, I lost my mind. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, go Sox. No way. Um, <laughs> got another fucking Boston fan in here. Jesus. Um, yeah, no, I, I, um, I feel as though I, I feel pretty good about where we are. Um, Carl, getting Carlos Rodon is fucking. I hate that fucking song. I will, I will yell, "Let's go Yankees!" so loud anytime that song is played. Um, getting Carlos Rodon obviously is a big game changer to me. That was the thing that they needed because you're getting yourself Cole. I mean, Cole's, if you look at his numbers, they're, they're great. But ultimately when you watch him pitch on a normal basis, too often, he's been giving up like big leads. You know, he, he gets hot for six innings and then the seventh inning he implodes getting a, a lefty, you know, Cy Young type candidate um, at the top end of the rotation with him. Nestor Cortez obviously was great last year. Um, then just rounding it out with whoever Montez or whoever, um, who might miss their season possibly. Yeah. But Severino, but Severino who was looking good towards the end of the year, again, Severino was a 19 game winner a couple years ago before he got injured. So if he can be even a fraction of who he was as a fourth starter, I mean, they don't really have to do a ton on that. And then, and the, you know, the hitting, I always worry when it comes playoffs, they always get very hot and very cold and typically during the playoffs they get very cold 
Um, I'll, I'm interested to see if they make any changes at left field. I do not want Aaron Hicks coming into the starting season. I'd rather go with like, you know, one of the kids coming out of triple uh, a, but yeah, ultimately I'm, I'm very optimistic about the pitching staff. I'm moderate about the overall hitting, but uh, you know, it, it's ultimately what I want, what I wanted. I wanted Carlos Rodon and got him. So I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. What's it like I think- to have an ownership that spends money on players? Yeah, your your team <laughs> is infamous. Do. Yeah, your team is infamous for getting really good players and then ultimately just letting them walk. But they always find good ones to replace them. So every once in a while, it'll just be nice, you know, just once. <laughs> I think, and I think one of the hesitations I have for the Yankees this year is they need things to go their way for a lot of players. I think that's the one thing that concerns me. Like the Yankees are a really good team if these things go their way. So if they can get something on a Montas who's supposed to be hurt with a shoulder injury, if Carlos Rodon can pitch 180 innings, would you be good with 180? If you can get 180 I'd, out of him. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be, yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Cause the, 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 the bullpen's good enough that, they should be able to like if he can go five or six in a in a given game, it's fine. Yeah, and if you can get like Stanton to play a full season healthy, if you can get Aaron Hicks to be the guy he was like what three or four years I, ago. Now I don't want I don't want anything to do with Aaron Hicks. I don't want him anywhere near the field. I don't want to see him. I don't want him in my fucking peripheral. I loved that trade proposal. It was like, what about if we trade Aaron Hicks to the Pirates for Brian Roberts and David Bednar? I was like, that's the shit you say on the fan at like four o'clock in the morning (laughs) on like the Cross Punk Expressway. That's not reality. That would that would be the type of phone call where Francesa would spend the next hour just absolutely fucking ripping you as the biggest idiot. Someone should see if Messina's got a kid. Yeah, I miss Messina. Fucking but yeah, I mean, man. I think that's the that's the only concern that I have for the Yankees in the sense that they need a lot of guys to stay healthy throughout the year. And the Yankees have been really good offensively, but that's the one area that they've struggled with is, is health. They have a lot of like really good guys who get hurt quite a bit. Honestly, the only one who's been healthy the whole time is probably um, second baseman. Glaber Torres. Torres and Garrett Cole for his contract. He's been pretty healthy. Cole, Cole's been healthy. Yeah. He hasn't missed any time. Thankfully. I mean, look, you know, we'll see what happens with like Glaber Torres and all that. We'll see if they can kind of improve. Um, they did have it's a lot of injuries corner at some point though. Well, that's the thing is like, I think, I think at this point we're kind of seeing what they are. And um, that that's my only thing is that I think when you look at like, Josh Donaldson, like I, I already know what he is, but DJ LeMayhew is kind of an X factor too because he was really hurt all of last year. Didn't even wouldn't mm-hmm. even really come back for the playoffs. You're talking about a guy who bats, you know, 280, 290, and get 20 homers and 60 RBIs, and they're good at bats um, too. And like they're very not good at bats. at bats. Yeah, high on base percentage, takes a lot of, doesn't strike out a lot, and also a good fielder. So we were missing that because if I see IKF playing shortstop ever again, I'm gonna lose my shit so but god there's but there's an x factor anthony volpe we'll see what happens with volpe their top prospect he's a shortstop so we'll see 
Um, if he ends up getting a call up, there's also Oswaldo Peraza who might end up in the outfield. I think he's left a left field candidate. So there, there's a couple X factors that are kind of lurking uh, behind the scenes that could end up becoming a big impact for them. <laughs> no, none of these Yankees. Yeah, they're well because they're all like 21 years old at this point. <laughs> Back to the baby bombers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, the Yankees are infamous for having these top prospects who don't amount to shit other than like Aaron Judge and like the old days. Like with Jeter yeah, but that's what you that. have to raise for. Yeah, exactly. You were basically our farm system. Yeah, yeah we great. develop. We have our farm system, which develops prospects for us, which we in turn develop for the two of you. I wanted, I wanted Chris Archer bad when you guys had him. Yeah. He was, uh, yeah. He was good for about three years, and then he yeah. fell apart. Yeah. That's typical. Tom, what about you? Um, you know, I think that um, I am a Formula One fan, so I'm really excited to see how the season's going to start, particularly with some of the the team shakeups there's been a number of like management level people that have moved from one team to the other and i think if there is one sport where having kind of a leader really does matter it's formula one the question is though is are there going to be teams that have improved enough to make the races competitive because philly to your point last year the new rules and regulations were supposed to make racing and provide us with more race winners. What ended up happening is Red Bull won 17 of the 23 races. Not super compelling <laughs> shit right there. So that's, I think, kind of the challenge here is, has Ferrari put enough together to give themselves a championship-level car, the first one since 2009, maybe? 2010? Um and then also has Mercedes, have they been able to rebound with the problems that they had? Because that was a team that won one, two, three, four, seven, eight in a row. Or no, they won seven championships in a row, seven driver and constructors championships and were essentially a non-factor last year. And then everything else in the rest of the grid is garbage. Like as much as they want to say like, oh, you never know the – you know, the Alpine team or McLaren might be good. It's really a three horse race at this point, but it's going to come down to are these races going to be compelling enough to justify these rule changes and this whole um, change in how money is allocated. There is interesting movement here because there are now two new car manufacturers that are coming in in 2026. Audi is going to sponsor their own team and Q what is the most random car company you would expect jumping into a European motorsport? Hyundai. Nope, you're thinking too close. Hard. Close. They were talking about it though. Who else? Okay. Think American. American. It's not Ford, not Dodge. It is Ford. <laughs> it is Ford. Ford? Yeah. yeah. They're going to be an engine manufacturer in 2026. So So they they want to create a car that like goes halfway and then dies. They're they're banking for a little that. bit more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know they're I know they're going to intend to go the whole way, but I, whether or not that actually happens, different different. That's a great strategy, yeah, so, honestly. So if, if someone could send that up to Ford higher ups, I'd love that. <laughs> yeah. So so they're going to be entering the sport in 2026. They're going to partner with Red Bull Powertrains, which is the engine manufacturing side of Red Bull. Um, 
but also too, they said the reason why this is so appealing is because Formula One is moving so far into the hybrid direction and they want to use competitive racing to boost their hybrid engines because they have a strategic plan by 2035 all their cars will be electric but they also want to like use it for brand marketing and shit like that but audi is a well-known racing commodity we'll see what happens if there are other ones i know that there's been some conversation with cadillac as well um but ultimately like if you haven't had the time q and i'm not telling you to do this but watch like Watch the first first season of Drive to Survive on Netflix. It's it's compelling television. It brought a lot of Americans into the sport, and it's actually why there are three races in the United States this year, and there were none like ten years ago. Tom Tom is desperately trying to pill me on F one. Yeah, I desperately am, and Ben is trying to get us to spend six thousand dollars and go to the Las Vegas race. A it's going to happen at one o'clock in the morning. Their time, by the way, <laughs> I'm good. The only thing that you should be doing at one o'clock in the morning and Vegas is in a room that has no windows and all they do is feed you drinks. <laughs> um, but, but outside of that, I mean, I'm going to try and watch the Knicks without using a better help promo code every Tuesday and Thursday night. Um, but like you, I'm getting ready for the baseball season as well. I'm, I'm yeah. curious to see how the Red Sox are going to do. Are they going to be good? I don't know. Are they going to play baseball games? It's yes. a good year. It's yeah. a good year, Tom. Last year was bad year. This year, good year. That's how that's how it goes. On they play paper, 81 games at Fenway. Who well, knows? That's pretty good. But that's will the good. season will the season end in October, like the regular <laughs> season? I'm confident it will. Tom, there's alternating years. We know this by now. The science is there. They go bad every year? three years, though. Good year. They go every three, though. Is it bad, bad, good, or good, good, bad? It went 04, 07. They had a little layoff in 13, and then 18. So 13 to 18 was five. Um, I'm talking about – it doesn't have to be, like, World Series. It can be, like, winning season, winning – No, it's World Series games. or bust with this team. This fucking guy, I swear. No, I Just mean, you bring up a good point, Sox, though. Man. And honestly, I think – this is an interesting team because they have a lot of nice parts on it. Like Yoshida got the, from Japan. Yep. Pretty good player. Devers I is like, happy. Devers is paid. I really like Tristan Casas. I thought Adam Duvall was a really like underplayed signing. The only hesitation or the biggest hesitation with this team is you could have done all of this with Xander Bogarts mm-hmm. and they were cheap and chose not to do it. And do they got – you You have to wait for Marcelo Meyer to come up in two years. Like, And you have to bank on him being an absolute star. But I don't know if that's going to happen because double-A guys, like you don't fucking know about some of these dudes. Yep. So I think that's it, the – that's where everybody is kind of like, you know, this team has some interesting pieces. The bullpen is solid. They have a bunch of guys in the starting rotation who are really interesting, but it's just we don't know what to do with this team. There's power that's back in it, which they hadn't had last year. It's a little bit more athletic. The problem is, though, is they could have just done all of this with the guy who that they wanted from the start, and they've had to like pick up pieces and now they're going to have Kike Hernandez play out of position and 
they probably wouldn't have to have signed one of these guys. They probably would have been okay. It's just they they got caught with their pants around their ankles. Yeah. Because they tried to lowball them. Have you ever thought franchise. about not winning World Series? Just like just not doing it. Like what about like going to the they World did it? Series they did it for eighty six years. They're like I we mean, don't want to do this. Brian Cashman has been pretty good at not winning World Series, so it's pretty fun, honestly. It's like <laughs> not it's like, where, not if... winning a lot of them. That's what he's been good at. Not winning a lot of them. I I still argue that he didn't build those teams in the nineties. So two thousand. I'll give, I'll give like... him two thousand nine. I gave him that one. That's about it. That's fair. It's just a lot of fun to like, you know, create a, a franchise and like the goal of the franchise is to like win the ultimate prize. And then you just like never win it. It's like almost like 3D chess, you know, it's like. Yeah. And you basically you. play in a funeral home in Southern Florida. <laughs> that is the ugliest fucking yeah. stadium. I've but you can seen. pet a manta ray in the touch tank. Oh, so see, which is winning. also what Michael Jackson called his playroom. <laughs> You're never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, all right, let's end this before the FTC does it for us. <laughs> Seriously. All right. Well, I'll start because I I don't take any pleasure in this asshole, and it is giant safety Julian Love. He uh he decided after getting fucking drummed by the Eagles that it's a good idea to essentially say that Nick Sirianni, not a great coach. Um, and listen, I think Nick Sirianni is a fucking clown. I've said it before. This is a quote from uh, Julian on good morning football quote. He's a guy who's doing really is doing a great job because he's not getting the way of his team. He's has an experienced roster from top to bottom. And then when they showed him the head nodding, uh, you know, bullshit move that he did, uh, he said, quote, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I mean, he's in for a free ride right now. You guys can coach this team, as in the people on the staff. The Eagles staff, the Eagles roster is arguably, if not the best team, it's arguably the best roster in the NFL. But at the end of the day, you still have to coach the team. You still have to win those games. So ultimately, you have to put people in the right spot. I don't care how talented that defense is. You don't come two sacks away from breaking the fucking sack record without a talented defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. Um, ultimately, I I just don't think it's ever smart to run your mouth after you get destroyed from by a team. And then Not also, you're also look. giving them bulletin board material for next year. So now they get to talk about this all over again. When we face the Eagles next year, giving them more ammo to just to beat up on us. So I just I didn't think it was smart. Take the L. That's it. Move on. Philly, who is your asshole of the week? Well, they say never uh, meet your heroes, and I'm going to uh, say uh, never see your heroes tweet. Uh, I wouldn't oh, call him a hero. Oh but, boy. Um, I. I Tom, I think you already can already guess who I'm going to go go for here. Um, I happened upon a name of, of a baseball player that I had not heard for a long time that I had fond memories of um, that I just realized is a total piece of shit as a human being. You're talking about Aubrey Huff, aren't you? I sure am. Oh, you're How just did finding, you not you're just, know? You're just finding out about this now? I just, I just, I just, um, I just existed in a world like, 
mind you, I, I don't follow the Giants as close as I follow the Rays, right? Um, and I, you know, I, I know of Aubrey Huff as the the World Series champion, and but that's it. Like I, I don't follow him on social media. I don't. I've not really paid too much attention. I'm not in in, MLB, in the thick of MLB Twitter, um, but his one of his tweets came up on my on my feed. Um, and I don't even remember what it was about at this point. He's had so much ammo in the past week, even that he's just been incessant. But, um, I was like, Hey, uh, Aubrey Huff, that can't be the same Aubrey Huff, right? Like, there's just no way, like, like, there's no way that that Aubrey Huff is this Aubrey Huff. And it was, what and it is, um, he, uh, his bio on Twitter is proud father and two-time world series champion. Good with that. I believe in God. Okay. Free speech, you say. America. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Guns. And then the kicker, and this is actually in his bio, toxic masculinity. He believes in being a toxic male. Yep. Um, So just a couple of the highlights from his past, from his tweets in the past. Uh, I might actually get through a day here before I have to stop. Um, why does Madonna look like an aging reptilian holding on desperately to appear human? Um, uh, is there uh, he, the he growing always... stay-at-home husband trend going around where the husband proudly plays housewife? He is frail in his skinny jeans, complete with a man bun and a sad, defeated, and desperate look in his eyes. Fellas, this ain't it. Um, did, did did he he also like the big conservative thing now is like dying suddenly right trying to blame yes everything yes on the that, that's what it was that's where it popped up initially yes and it is so funny because i saw a tweet where he was like if i was if i'm vaccinated i'm scared right now like because you're gonna you're gonna die and it was funny because like there were people like like-minded individuals in his mentions going like my grandfather passed away and he goes i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and then there would be somebody who would go i'm triple vax and i'm fine i've been i'm actually healthier now than i've ever been he goes give it time and it's like <laughs> the fuck is that supposed to mean <laughs> he's just a real piece of fucking garbage but he he's uh, like he's the fringiest of the fringe types for sure watching the last of us wouldn't surprise me if this scenario will happen once they decide to flip the switch activating the mrna mrna technology inside every vaccinated human <laughs> Turning them into zombies, maybe not flesh eating, but Walking Dead nonetheless. <sighs> the, the, the the coup de gras of this was that, that as soon as I, I found this, and it was what you were talking about, Q, that same tweet mm-hmm. about like I'd be scared if I was, you know, they're dying. And yeah. then very shortly afterwards was a tweet about Demar Hamlin not being alive. Oh, he's being a clone. About being a clone, and then <laughs> within hours, Demar Hamlin had posted that video of him like visibly in front of a camera like this talking like hey guys i'm alive i exist i'm not a clone and it was um a buddy of mine retweeted it and said uh, someone on twitter told me uh that you were dead um so it's just uh it's just an asshole and it's i i wish it was just like one or two bad takes but if you go down his timeline nearly every tweet is bad and it's, it's bad. um it's yeah it's awful He's the type that like you can very much tell that he's just grifting because there's no moment where he goes, hey, I saw this movie. It was really good. Like everything is just pure chaos and like you're going to die. You're going to die. Everyone's dead. You know, it's it's just pure anarchy. Every Aubrey time. Huff is just perpetually doom scrolling and telling yeah. everybody that he's doing it. <laughs>
God, what a dork. Although he did say, is there a more beautiful time of the year weather-wise than Scottsdale, Arizona? Absolutely gorgeous. It's not really a time, but <laughs> just get it. <laughs> but do you, Aubrey? <laughs> do you, yeah. God. Oh, fuck. Well, thank you for ruining our lives with that one. And yeah. You're welcome. Convincing yeah. that we're all close. Never tweet your heroes. Never tweet your heroes. Um, speaking of not tweeting our heroes, my asshole of the week is going to be the newest Dallas Maverick in Kyrie Irving, <laughs> who was recently traded away because effectively he said, I want to leave. And the Nets are like, please just go. Just, just go. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, so he was traded for some parts effectively just to get him the fuck off the team. And now he's going to be in Dallas. And He's really my asshole of the week because I don't think we ever truly gave Kyrie his full effect or give him the credit that he really needs. And you could already see that the Duke apologists were already out in full force today with Jay Williams. Like, you know, he makes this team so much better. I'm like, yeah, but he's also a fucking like anti-Semite and he believes the earth is flat and all of this like bullshit that he found on the internet. It's like, yeah, but it's like, this is basketball. I'm like, Dog, there's like, there's more to this than him. And the reason why Kyrie is my asshole is because we continue to just placate like shitty people. And the NBA is the biggest offender of it most of the time when it comes to like professional sports. Like these dudes just intentionally be toxic and they get rewarded and traded to another team. And what's going to end up happening is the West is pretty soft this year and they're at least going to get like a conference finals run in them because i don't know who is good enough to beat them at this point i don't know i just i saw kyrie irvin get his way and i was like fuck this by the way i want to point out something the nets winning percentage is higher without kyrie over the last few years than it is with him just one point yeah and he's missed a lot of time and they've had chances to to be okay without him they paid him over 100 million dollars to essentially play a little over one full season's worth of games mm-hmm. and essentially like their best year was obviously I think it was 2020 when it had uh Harden and Durant all all healthy and then because he refused to get vaxxed he had to sit out and like some people will say like oh that's not his fault yeah well he didn't you know again he didn't even try to like make it make it okay and then comes back and then now they're actually winning which was like the craziest thing. They were actually winning games. They were what the fourth seed. They're playing well. He's playing pretty well. 12 games over 500 before he requested the trade. And then just randomly says, I want out. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not taking, I'm not letting Joe Sai and, and all the management nets. Cause like, this is the third person to request a trade. Harden requested a trade. Durant requested a trade, then rescinded. And now Kyrie. So it's obviously the, whole thing stinks there but like and i i love it as a Knicks fan fuck the Nets. yeah they're they're a fucking shit show organization but to give that guy a trade isn't mark, isn't mark cuban jewish i think so yeah so weird certainly a a topic of conversation at a later time because he's a fucking lunatic but yeah i mean i guess this means do they go all in on ben simmons and him not shooting like is this a thing that they do now I I've said for the longest time that I think Ben Simmons might be one of the worst players in the NBA. So I would concur with you on that. He's a total. I don't think anyone's arguing. He doesn't, he doesn't look like he cares either. So like, and I, I'm not one to ever say like, Oh, this guy doesn't care because I think it's like an overused trope. 
Um, they're often not correct, but Ben Simmons literally looks like he doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, he's, he was just totally fine just being shit. Yeah. And people criticize him all the time and like, dude, you, your game is fixable if you just try. He shot threes in, in high school, like perfectly well. And now yeah. he, he can't shoot a three to save his fucking life. And all of his numbers are garbage too. Like this is not, you know, top 10 pick material right here. This is not a three-time all-star numbers. Like he has not taken a, not made a three-pointer all year and his free throws are 44.6%. That's some center shit right there. Yeah. He is booty. Booty. Picks. Yeah, I'll 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 go. Uh we'll go around and Robin again. Uh I finally dug in and came out in October uh last year. Um Freddie Gibbs new album, Soul Sold Separately. Mm-hmm. Um I finally dug into it. It's fucking amazing. It's um it's about an hour long, so I it I was actually able to listen to the whole thing at the gym. Um one of the more underrated artists out there right now, and uh definitely recommend give it a listen. And I did watch uh Skinamarink, which was my pick of the week last week. So I went sight unseen, which I don't normally do. Challenging watch because it's really from weird angles, and it's like it's it, there's really no linear structure to it. But there were a couple fucking frightening moments in it, so I definitely definitely recommend. Uh, you may not like it, you may hate it, but I definitely recommend give it a watch. I've heard some chatter about it more on the internet than you. you like don't when see... you said it, I, yeah. all of a sudden I saw an uptick in it. So, so we are influencers. We'll take your money now. <laughs> well, the, the the narrative around that movie is so weird because you never see like it's basically two children are like the stars of it. You don't ever see their faces. You don't ever really get a clear look at anything. Everything is either from an upward angle or downward angle. And um, there's really no but there's like basically the concept for anybody who didn't sit here. Yes. Last week. They wake up, their dad won't wake up, and essentially all the windows and doors are gone, just mm-hmm. gone. So, and there, you can tell there's some kind of like spirit there, but like the concept of the movie, which is basically a devil or something, is trying to like lure two children into, I'm guessing, hell. It's like, it's a pretty scary concept. So, uh, definitely recommend it, but it is a challenging watch. I'm just warning people. Good to know. Yeah. Philly? I'm going to get a low-hanging fruit here. Um, listeners of the pod have probably already uh, discovered this for themselves, and we talked about it at length um, before it dropped a couple weeks ago, but uh, The Last of Us on HBO. It's great. Um, Love it. You know, it's obviously yeah. was, um, or maybe not obviously, but it was. it's a um, television series based on a video game of the same name um, that follows a uh, essentially a zombie outbreak, a zombie apocalypse, um, based on fungi infection rather than a bacterial uh, or virus type infection. Um, and so uh, the zombies have, um, you know, mutated fungi and mushrooms and things growing out of their faces. And um, they act in, in some ways similar to how zombies normally act. Uh, but there's some, um, depending on how long you've been infected, there's like kind of growing ranges. We haven't seen them all in the show, but you'll start seeing larger and larger kind of monsters that are, um, that are were once human that are now humanoid um, beasts, but um, it has uh, been a pretty faithful adapt adaption in that. Um, particularly the first two episodes where there's some shot for shot, basically remakes of the video game that 
um, can be really cheesy if not done well. Um, and we're done in a way, uh, particularly the one that sticks out to me the most is the first episode. There's a scene in the beginning of the game where you are in the POV of this girl sitting in the back seat of a, of a truck and you're seeing kind of them navigate out of this uh, zombie infestation with, at the very beginning of it, um, through the windshield of the truck. And they did that kind of in the, one of the first shots of the, of the show and it was just so well done. Um, they veered off course in the third episode um, with two characters that are in the game but don't really have a backstory um, and, and are used differently in the, in the game. Uh, and the show, they give them a backstory, and it is heart-wrenching. It it's is pretty for, tough. For characters, you literally meet, what, minute 15? And you yeah, barely get yeah. any time with them, and they... they One character, I would argue that you never actually meet, just... And I don't want to spoil the game in case you haven't played the game and you want to, but one of the characters you don't actually even really meet. Um, and the other character, um, you meet them and they are similar to how they are in the, in the show, but they're the way you interact with them in the game is much different than how it is in the show. And, but I think it was an amazing change to it. Um, I don't, I think it did the show. I did it to the game justice and did the show justice. And again, it is, uh, you could watch that episode on its own um, with very little context about the rest of the series. Yeah. Like, and, and it just be its own just hour of cinema that it's just uh, beautiful and it's, it entrances you. And it just, uh, it's Tom and I talked about it last week and he said he went to hug his wife afterwards. And I like my whole family was asleep when I finished watching it. And I felt the same need to like go and give them a hug and like, just be thankful for the for the things that I had, and um, it's it's incredible. So if you haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet, you don't need to know the video game. That's irrelevant to the point of it. Um, they're doing an amazing job of explaining everything, um, and so I would highly suggest watching that. The only time I'm going to push back when you said it's a faithful like recreation of the game. Was- I think it was the second episode where they said they oh, were 10 yeah, yeah, miles yeah, yeah. outside yeah. of Boston. I was like, that's a fucking mountain. There are none of those. That's a right. lie. Well, and there's a, um, there's a, a character at the end of the second episode um, that um, there's some circumstances that surrounds that character that are different in the game uh, versus the show. Um, some artistic liberties are taken. And there's some, there's some other things too, like in the show, the, the, fungus infection and and really um closed off areas it's basically like covid it's like you spores, can right yeah it's like spores that, that can affect you and so people wear gas masks but you yeah. can't film a television it, show with pedro pascal and put a gas mask on yeah no. they were, and they were he already, he already does that in the mandalorian <laughs> right, yeah. right right um so so when i say that i mean like they they've done a really good job i think of sticking to the source material as best they can yeah. making adaptations where they absolutely need to and um I've seen other shows or other, um, whether it's based on a game or a, a book or some other source material where it's pretty quickly deviates. I mean, Game of Thrones is an example of, you know, the first couple episodes of the first season are pretty spot on. And then all of a sudden it just takes a, a detour and never gets really back on track. And so um, you're, you're right, Tom, in that it's not exactly faithful, um, but uh, it's it's amazing. Yeah, I thought it... I. I'm looking forward to watching the fourth episode and I had never played the games cause I have an Xbox and I'm a piece of shit. Um, but true. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. B- big true. <laughs> um, 
But I mean, I even if it was not based off a video game, it's just so good. And I think that's like their Rotten Tomato score is like in the high 90s for all of their episodes. And I think we are in such like a like good video content wasteland right now that this is essentially like everything that we wanted and so much more like well-produced, well-shot, well-acted, well-written, well-conceived, like good concept. And I mean, I think we, I appreciate that this is not like the walking dead or resident evil or, any of those shows where it's just zombies after zombies after zombies. Cause that's exhausting. This is more like the world has ended and these people are trying to survive. There also just happens to be zombies floating around. And I'm hoping that they're able to continue that momentum into a second season and so forth. So I don't think they can make it like a seven season thing. I think they'll probably be pretty limited to it and know when to stop. Hopefully. Yeah, I think the first season will be the first game, mm-hmm. and then the second se- the second game is looked to be split into two or three seasons. And I think unless more source material arrives in the in the way of a game, then I think they'll probably end yeah. up. Yeah, just- I think they learned their lesson with Game of Thrones, where yeah. they ran out of fucking books and the story fell apart too. Well, yeah. some would say the best story won the the personal best story won in Game of Thrones. Fair. <laughs> um. Okay, so my pick of the week, I actually have two of them. The first one is... I only have one, Tom. Yeah, well, cry more. <laughs> That's capitalism, baby. Cry, cry lib. Um, my first one is a book called Kindred by Octavia Butler. So it's actually a FX show right now. Mm. It's an interesting book because it ties in history and science fiction where... There's a a black woman who is living in 1976 who lives with her white husband. And all of a sudden she gets transported back to 1815 Mm. and she is transported back to the time and place where one of her relatives lives. And it's not just her great, great, great grandmother, but it's also her great, great, great grandfather who is a slave owner. Mm. And, it goes through several different times where she comes back and Rufus, who's probably a top five villain all time because um, he's an absolute sociopath, is a baby and then he's a young child and then he's a teenager and then he's a grown up. And it's just really, really interesting book. There are parts of it where it drones on a little bit longer than it needs to. And I think I have a criticism of how it ends because it just abruptly ends, but Um, I really enjoyed it in the sense that it was a nice blend of both history, but also an added element of science fiction in there. Haven't watched the show yet, but I also wanted to wait until I got through the book before I dove into the show, because I imagine they probably chopped it up to make it more television friendly. Um, That's that's the book Kindred by Octavia Butler. Um, Find it in all your local libraries. Um, And then the second one is a podcast by somebody who I actually went to high school with. So somebody, um, a friend of mine, his name is Sam. I went to high school with him and we drifted apart. He actually transferred schools midway through. And um, I saw that 
he had sent me like an Instagram, like follow request and turns out he has a podcast now. And the show is really about his life and the people that he's met. Sam has had a pretty, pretty interesting, probably 10 or 15 years. He served in the military. His mother and brother passed away within a year of one another. And the show is really about like personal growth and going through tragedy and frankly, going through hardship and trying to find yourself and the folks that he brings on have a shared experience in that regard. And it's, you know, it's somebody like us, right? Like it's somebody who's trying to figure out how podcasting works and how to have a conversation and carry it. And I've enjoyed those conversations thus far, particularly the one that he had with his dad, I thought was great. And he had somebody else from high school that I know that was on there too. It's funny, it's interesting, but also it's very authentic. And I think it's refreshing because, um, in some cases we don't get like authentic, raw, real conversations about people's lives and some of the, the hardships that they've gone through. So the name of the podcast is for Lee. Um, the number four Lee, um, and Lee is Sam's brother who passed away. So give it a listen. It's on Spotify right now. It's not on any other platforms, but I, I do think it, you'll get something good out of it. That's great. Yeah. All right, fellas. Anything else? Philly, you did not pass your urine sample, so you will be back for another week. <laughs> so confused how this works. We, we encourage drugs. Yeah. Tom just said I had to have a stool sample for Tom, what, did, Tom what, did, what did you do with that stool sample? It's, it's in records. <laughs> records, a.k.a. I don't even want to know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to end on a high note there. It's in, it's in a brown paper bag. It's on someone's front doorstep. Stacy and HR has it. It's, it's better than I was going to say, Philly. So, yeah, good. Glad well, I got to make up for the uh, Michael Jackson, which I still stand by. Great joke. I'm sorry. Yeah, but. it's a real banger. <laughs> don't don't set me up because then, you know. Philly, plug your podcast, will you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we are in a little <laughs> bit of an off season here. Uh, but uh, I am also uh, the producer slash one of the co-hosts for uh, Friends and Low Expectations. Uh, we are a fantasy football-oriented podcast. Um, we have a league called the Low Expectations League. It's uh, myself and some buddies of ours. And uh, we kind of work through the, the different matchups, the different personalities, the different storylines that happen weekly in our, in our league. Everything from free agency um, to trades to the actual games themselves. Uh, we have uh, members of the league come on throughout the season and talk about their team and their prospects. And we talk a lot of shit about each other. Um, so if you're interested, you can find us on every major platform, Friends and Low Expectations. Um, if you are going to check us out for the first time, I suggest finding the Meet the Fellas episode where we give you a little bit of background of who everyone is, what their team names are, um, and how good or bad or maybe a combination of both they are at fantasy. So, Awesome. Cool. Thanks for that. And all right, folks, that does it for another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. We appreciate your um, your listening ears and your eyeballs. If you could do us a favor and hit the like and subscribe button on YouTube and Twitch and leave a comment what we're doing right, what we're doing well, whether Philly should have to drink that urine sample in the next episode. We want to hear from you, folks. This is live mm -hmm. TV here. Five star on Apple, please. please. Yeah, five please, star on please Apple. Do five... Don't be a dick. Just do yeah. it. 
yeah, it's just, you know, you do worse things in life. Um, yeah, and we do this every week. So if you want, you can join the Discord as well and get into the conversation. You can find out where in the world is Gatto. Um, because frankly, no we're a little concerned right now too. <laughs> um, because we want to know what's happening at Gitmo, and he's the only one who knows. But we'll be back next week, folks. But again, follow us on all the social media platforms and give us a like and a follow. Um, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. Then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live.